Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are live. Welcome back, Gypsy Gang, to the Gypsy Tales podcast. Uh, Today is a dope episode of the podcast some may argue doper than usual. Um, some may argue just as dope as always. Uh, but our guest today is an absolute legend. He's a legend in the making, but he's also a legend right now. It's Colby Raha, uh, the world record holder for the highest man in the world on uh, on a quarter pipe. And just an all-round badass. Um, I was lucky enough to watch... A, I guess like a pre-release version of his new film Narnia uh, which comes out at the end of the year um, and yeah it's safe to say that Colby has solidified himself as the uh, the all-round G of free riding and he's really uh, I guess like the leader in that uh, that new generation such a cool mix with Colby too of just old school metal um, that militia kind of I guess attitude that we all grew up on uh, but then on the flip side of that, he's an insanely good competitor. Competitor, He rides for a factory team. He's in the streets doing the street stuff. He's got the YouTube channel. He's making movies. He's crushing the merch stuff. So it's like he's really just across everything right now um, and is well and truly one of like the most complete riders that I feel like we got going at the moment. We've wanted to do this podcast for a really long time. I say it all the time. These just happen when they when they are supposed to. Um, this is happening right before Narnia comes out. I hope everyone buys a copy when it does come out because it's not only about Colby. You'll hear it in the podcast, but um, it's kind of just like everyone that is pushing in that free ride scene is featured in that film. Um, and yeah, I think everybody is gonna really enjoy that one. I really enjoyed this podcast. Colby is about as dope of a human as it gets. Uh, this won't be his last time on the podcast and I really hope we've got some ideas to do some like film project stuff together too. So hopefully you see a bit more Gypsy Colby, uh, content together, but for right now, um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode with the one and the only Colby Raha. Before you do though, we're going to get into the ads. This podcast today is brought to you by the legends at KTM parts online you listen to the Sealy and Hill podcast, you would have heard us talk about KTM Newcastle. Well, this is uh, an online parts business that runs out of that dealership. And anytime I've done any of my bike builds or done any parts related stuff and I need KTM genuine parts, this is 100% the best place that I've found 
Uh, I've been using these guys for maybe like four years, I'd say. Um, but we've never officially done any advertising stuff with these guys. But now uh, we've teamed up and if you use the code GYPSY10, and if you leave those in uh, the comment section of your order, that's going to get you 10% off. And it is really, really hard to get any kind of discount on genuine parts. And a lot of places these days... They just don't even stock genuine parts and it becomes an extremely frustrating uh, process and sometimes a bit of an ordeal. Um, but the guys at KTM Newcastle and KTM Parts Online have pretty much just taken all of the headache uh, out of buying genuine parts for your KTM, your Gas Gas or your Husky. So these guys are unbelievable. Uh, I'm bringing you these guys as a sponsor because it is a company that I've used uh, a lot in the past just in the background and in silence. So... This is just one of those ones where it's been really, really valuable to me in the past. Um, and I just want to kind of do my bit to try and pass on uh, not only just, I guess, the contact um, or the knowledge that these guys do what they do, but also that 10% discount. So once again, ktmpartsonline.com.au. And if you leave Gypsy 10 in the comments of your order, you're going to get 10% off. Now, this one is exciting. We're also brought to you by the guys at Manscaped, and Manscaped is taking over Australia just in time for the holidays. Their life-changing hygiene products are now available in all Woolworths Australia retail stores. Never forget, gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to becoming the favorite family member. Make sure to swing by and pick up their signature lawnmower. Easily the most brilliant ball trimmer to bless the Australian motherland. Join 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by swinging into any Woolies on your way home. Pick up a Woolies, pick up a Cook Chook, uh, and you know, you'll be, you'll be the, really, you'll be the man of the house at that point if you're coming home with some bread, some tomato sauce, a Cook Chook, and some Manscaped for your missus. Because really, that's who you're doing this for. We probably couldn't care less, but it's your missus. It's going to get you in the good books. Uh, it's pretty much what I do with that. Uh, so stop into any Woolies in Australia. Or if you want to show your support directly to the podcast, you can go to manscaped.com. You can use the code GYPSYGANG for 20% off plus free shipping. So you've heard it here first, lads. Manscaped is taking over Oz. Whether you're new to the brand or already with us at Manscaped, you could use a crown jewel of care for your family jewels, and that is the Lawn Mower 3.0. It's been massive for my uh, male grooming needs. You guys see me on the podcast. I'm not exactly the most well-kept fella uh, when it comes to my hair and my beard, but trust me, thanks to Manscaped, I definitely keep, you know, I keep the nether regions pretty tidy. Um, it's just not worth the hassle of you know pissing off your old lady when it comes to that so uh and not just that i use the shower gel i use their deodorant i use the uh the lip balm when i go away i use the travel case when i go away um these guys just make it extremely easy just one-stop shop you just pack all your manscape stuff you pack your trimmer and then everything's kind of in there even the foot deodorant like it, it it really is all there so once again you can either go to woolies or if you want to support the podcast directly, you can go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GYPSYGANG. Bang. Uh, we're also brought to you by the guys at mxstore.com.au. 
Um, shout out to those guys for just always being there, uh, right around the corner whenever we need anything to do uh, any of the work on our bikes. Not just me, but our whole crew that works here. And our whole crew just in general. Um, everybody goes to MX Store that lives uh, around here because of the convenience of their uh, their click and collect service, which I'll be going to uh, after I finish work today. Um, but if you don't live in Burley or in the southeast Queensland region and you can't visit their epic showroom uh, to do the click and collect, you just go to mxstore.com.au and if you order before 2 p.m., you get same-day shipping. Um, they're the number one retailer in Australia. They're the number one parts uh, and accessories um, shop for your dirt bike. So look no further than mxstore.com.au. Um, we're also brought to you by the guys at Tropical Auto Group. You can head to tropicalautogroup.com.au. You can call them. You can ask for Kyle if you are in need of a new or used car. I've been running the brand new D-Max uh, all year, and I absolutely love that thing. It survived a thrashing of a mission to the Cape. Uh, it's got some really cool features that I enjoy over the previous car that I had. Um, the interior is awesome. The electronics are awesome once you kind of get used to them. Uh, it's got some really crazy features there, uh, and I think that that massive... LED screen in the middle just really sets that car off for me. Uh, that's the thing that we take on all of our trips and our dirt bike adventures. Um, and you could too by heading to tropicalautogroup.com.au asking for Kyle. We're also brought to you by the guys at Fist Handwear. You always hear it. I've worn another brand of gloves in like 11 years and I don't plan on wearing any others anytime soon. Fisthandwear.com.au. Gypsy Gang is going to get you 15% off there. And it's also going to get you 15% off when you go to rivalinkdesignco.com. You could be like me. You could be like Julian Wilson. Uh, you could rock that retro gypsy kit. Um, and you do that by just going to the website, typing in gypsy, uh, and you'll see that that uh, dope retro kit that the boys designed there. Julian didn't go the gypsy one there. He just went the KTM, which is fair enough. I get it. Uh, looks insane. He just popped that on his new 2023 KTM 250. Uh, there's a reason we all use Rival. They're the best in the game by far. I think their stuff looks the best. And it is definitely uh, as good as it gets on like the tech side. They never peel. They last forever. If anyone remembers my first set of graphics that I had on my 350, it went from like 2020 to 2022. So it's like two years. I think it was like 50 hours I ended up putting on the same set of graphics. So RivalLinkDesignCo.com. Uh, and also, we're doing a massive sale at our merch just to clear some old stock before we drop some new stuff. We've got some cool ideas. Uh, but if you want to get yourself a bargain, you can go to gypsy-tails.shop uh, and you use the code GYPSYGANG and that is going to get you 30% off. If you listen to this in America and you're like, well, it's an expensive shirt, it's because it's in Aussie dollars. And when you do the conversion, it works out pretty cheap for you guys. So... That's it for me and the ads. I really appreciate all of your continued support. We have some bangers coming up. I never like pr like hype them before we do them, um, but we've got Peter Adderton, Boost Mobile CEO, Dean Wilson's coming on on Friday, Chris Kiefer. We're going off in here, so I appreciate the support. Peace. I'm at a Louder than no worries. I didn't know if that was no, like no, a thing. No. I used to have a shop in Temecula or Marietta, and then 
we do like real moto interviews and there'd just be planes flying over like every five minutes so it's like everyone's like wait plane and they're like, all right go and they're like wait plane and i'm like fuck was it near the french valley airport yeah it's right like underneath the husky ktm test track yeah 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 and then you probably got those bikes going and shit too yeah we're recording over here we're recording right sick i think we're doing it bro we're uh finally making the colby raha gypsy tales chapter happening and i'm pumped hell yeah yeah me too man it's been a long time talking about this and uh i've watched all your show and stuff it's sweet when when do you think the first time was that we did talk about doing this because it was a while ago now oh for what like when when do you think the first time we actually spoke about doing this because it was a hot minute I'm sure it's in the DM somewhere, you know, but uh, I think it was actually after last year's X Games, uh, the first year at Slayground. I think we were talking about doing one then, and then uh, I don't know, just busy, you know, you're busy, whatever. I don't know. So, yeah, it's sweet that we got <laughs> no. lined up. So, uh, and good timing too. Like I always, uh, I always say these things happen kind of like when they're supposed to happen. I feel like, uh, and then you've just yep. finished Narnia. Um, which I got almost all the way through last night. I was trying to trying to get it fully done uh, by the time we did yep. this. But man, congrats on an epic, epic movie! Yeah, thank you. Uh, did you? What part did you uh, end at? Dude, scranny, pretty much. Like I just kind of. Oh, okay. oh, and then I think so. I go scranny, and then the Portland sec. Maybe it was the Portland section where you rode at, at Burnside. And then yep, like the little yep. kind of street street bit after that. So you saw a lot of stuff, but the ending is the most insane part where I go for the long <sighs> distance jump. Yeah, you got to watch Dude. that. I basically just backside it and uh, just demolish myself. Like it's so bad. I broke my pelvis like three spots, uh, tore my labrum, my whole shoulder apart and um, broke uh, one of the vertebrae in my back and just super gnarly. Fuck, I'm spewing. I mean, all right, I'm but, gonna have to watch that. But then, if you watch the movie, like, yeah, yeah, and then if you watch the movie, you'll see like I, we basically put it all together, and uh, and I come back and go for it again. It's pretty cool. Yeah, dude. I mean, I think uh, one of the cool things, like, I went into it thinking that it was like pretty much just a profile pic uh, on on you, um, but it seems like you really took it upon yourself to kind of like make a video or a film for the culture of free riding i mean you had everybody in it you hit everybody's spot and like it seems like everybody got their shine and uh dude yep. that to me was super super dope about the film yeah thank you um we basically just started out uh filming for real moto in um the year that me and jay won and we had leftover footage and I'm like, Hey, you know, what do you think about making a movie? He's like, dude, I'm telling you, it's a lot of work. It's going to be a long road. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm ready. Let's do it. You know? And, uh, and then it was just cool to have Josh Hill, Tyler Bierman, uh, Jared McNeil, a bunch of the, bunch of the guys, Scranny, Jason Broski, they all, uh, they all wanted to be a part of it. And we kind of just let them do their own thing. And, um, and I was able to ride with all of them and yeah, it's, it's a movie about me on like my like quest to go do long distance jumping but at the same time it's uh it's kind of a movie about like modern day free riding and like 
a lot of urban stuff, a lot of unseen stuff from uh, a lot of the writers, including myself. And yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to what we pulled off. And it's cool to just to have a movie that has so much footage that's been unseen. Like no one's posted mm. anything. I haven't, you know, and that's that's kind of what's cool is like now I'm the movie's done. I'm able to go out and make new content and like do YouTubes and start kind of getting back out into like making my own content. Yeah, because that's kind of the challenge these days. And I feel like the films really died uh, with the advent of social media because it just became about how quick can you post the clip um, that you've just got. And, you know, like you're almost posting everything in real time, which I think is it's dope in one sense. Um, You know, there's such like a crazy level of engagement that you can get with fans. And there's a way that you can really build a fan base. But then... I think about, I mean, especially for me and dude, I mean, we're pretty similar in age. We would have grown up watching the exact same things and like waited every year for that crusty demons DVD to hit the shelves, you know? And then it was like, I remember sitting down with my dad and my uncle and my brother and, and you know, all the boys and the kids from school would come over. If you, whoever was the first to get the crusty demons DVD or a nitro circus DVD or a great outdoors or an on the pipe, there was something super special about that. And I think that that's, that's culture, you know, and we kind of did lose that. And I got that same vibe when I watched Narnia. Yeah. Uh, that's like always been a dream. One of my dreams was to make a movie, you know, and, uh, it all came together and I was able to do it. So of course I took the opportunity to do it and it's been an insane amount of work, um, effort, time, financial stuff, just crazy. But, uh, but yeah, going back to like, I remember I was probably like 12 when Nitro Circus DVDs were coming out and uh, they came out right on Christmas. So that was like one of my Christmas yeah. presents in my stocking. And it was like, all right, after presents, we're popping in the new one because like we heard Travis did something crazy and you'd see like in the intro double backflip coming around and it, was a, it wasn't a thing. And uh, we're like, no way, you know, I just, I just remember. And then I was a kid growing up, Steel Roots 2 was like my favorite movie. I just could memorize the offspring songs when I was like five years old or something. So yeah, movies are, are awesome. And to get the chance to pull that whole project off with Jay from on the pipe series has been, uh, it's been a roller coaster, but it's been insane, man. And I'm happy with the overall product, you know, then end product is, I think it's great. It's better than what I would have ever imagined we could have pulled off. So yeah, and I think, um, I mean, you you probably won't want to admit this, but I feel like it kind of, I don't know, it, it gave me the vibe that like, oh, Colby Raha's the dude, like he's the leader of this generation and he's the one that's willing to, you know, pull everything together. And I mean, I think that's super cool. And I think even the way that like your writing as well is you've got all of these guys, like you got Broski and Scranny that are doing like their thing in the streets, which is super unique. And then you've got like uh, Berriman, which is just, he's the guy that's going to go absolutely huge. And then you've got, you know, McNeil and those guys, but you're kind of dipping into all of those different disciplines and being on that, that same level. And to me, I think for, it was obviously your film, but I feel like this really made you come across as like, damn Raha's like the leader of like this wave and I don't know if you think in in yourself in that way and I don't think it's arrogant to think in that way I think it's I think it's good to want to be a leader like I, I mean I think that 
leadership is something that a lot of like people should aspire to have in general um but yeah i don't, I don't know if it like came across or if you feel like that and you feel like it, you've got like a i don't know you owe it to the culture to like push it forward in a sense yeah um i mean i always love doing the real moto stuff and going big and doing like some of the crazy urban stunt stuff and uh I think the just the part of taking on the project of a movie, you don't really take on the project um, with like thinking you're going to go out and do cool free riding and that's going to be the movie. I think when I took on the project, it's like, hold on a second, we're making a movie and in the movie there needs to be stuff worth making a movie about, like breaking records, flipping the biggest dirt jump of all time. Um, and then getting into long distance jumping in like in this generation you know, Maddo's like one of the like last guys that's still long distance jumping. Um, and you know, everyone knows what happened. To Alex Harville is devastating. And, uh, in this movie, it was kind of like a project that we put together with the ending to be long distance to kind of start my long distance, you know, career in a way. And we were able to build this massive dirt jump, uh, long distance setup, which is like a $250,000 setup. And that's why I think a lot of people don't get into distance jumping. It costs so much, but with all of our sponsors in the movie, we're able to put together a long distance setup and, um, and we own it out there so we can plan live distance record jump shows in the future. And, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the goal of the movie. I mean, I've done a lot of the gold, um, gold medal, like, x game stuff quarter pipe real moto and uh and then the movie came up and it was like you know let's go see if i can break records in this and um the goal wasn't to break a long distance record in the movie but it was to show i had what it took and then uh in the movie i mean the quarter pipe record and then the uh long distance like dirt natural terrain record i was able to jump west ag back flipped a 190 foot uh jump and mine happened to be right at 190 foot as well uh fourth gear wide open pulling back off like i mean that jumps the biggest jump that's ever been flipped um natural terrain mcnarls did the 210 foot i think in uh on the pipe seven but that was off of a ramp to dirt so yeah i mean you take on a project to making a movie and it's like what's gonna sell the movie what's gonna make, make people want to go watch the movie is you have to go out and do stuff that's gnarly and break records so kind of signed myself up for uh doing the biggest stuff in a way dude it's kind of changing the topic a little bit but it's in that same vein so harry bink and jo archer just two nights ago did the world's first triple flip in competition and like being there and like i'm really tight with harry like he's a guy that i've been friends with for a lot of years now i mean i think he was like episode five of this podcast like that's how far we go back and bro i was so fucking scared for him like the week before and i mean i didn't really like i didn't really care to go to see nitro like we just got back from melbourne like i had to fly back for it but it was like i know there was just like a feeling that i had of like i just feel like i should be there for the guy you know like yeah of course and it's triple flip on a dirt bike who would have thought you know like live at a show off of a ramp when i yeah when i seen jay jay um doing the triple flips and then harry doing them off that ramp i'm like this is it's crazy to get they can get the bike to flip that many times you know and even though it's like on an airbag landing you can still get messed up if you like mess up on your pole you could come down on your head or anything could go wrong and you're so high in the air uh 
it's it, it's no joke at all. You could get really messed up, and the consequences are huge. And I think that goes with like anything that nowadays, you know, if yeah. you want your yeah. name to be big or you want to stand out amongst the rest of the riders, it takes doing something that you could get really injured doing to do it. And I think that's that's the payout. You know, that's why people respect it. So, yeah, props to those guys for uh, just going that big, pulling back and stomping it too. Right there, live is sick. Oh man, and and I think that like I got goosebumps now. Like the the thing that I think makes it more epic is like when you see after the fact and the clip goes on social media and Monster Energy posts it as a reel. It's forty seconds, but I mean to watch to be in the stands and to watch Harry like tripping. You know, like he's yeah. doing shit to fire himself up and he's walking around and he's like pissing 10 times. And like when you're on the stage, like when you're in the stands, you see all of that. And then he crashed yeah. the first one and his bike got bent up and then he's like tripping on getting his bike straight and he's taking like multiple kind of test runs at the ramp. And you just know the demons that that dude is facing to, yeah. you know, and it's like, in my head, I'm like, "Fuck, bro! You just pull, out, like, pull out. Like, how do you, how do you mentally get there to, like you said, you just pull back on something, like stare at that massive ramp, and you've got a stadium full of people and a dude with a TV camera saying, Go. yeah, like the level of, yeah, you just sign know, yourself like, just up the, for like, yeah, 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 and that's, I think it's how it always is. It's like." Uh, it sucks, you know, right before, right before you go for something big, it's like, dude, what am I doing? This sucks. You know, you think about the injuries and, and he's been hurt, you know, we all have, and it's like laying in bed for four, six months and maybe longer and just, and then having to rehab back and, and then even learning that if you are able to ride again and like building your confidence, you know, like when I broke my, uh, back and pelvis and all that in the movie, like. Uh, it took months to heal, you know, and, and it's like, you don't want to go through that again. So you're just sitting, I mean, I'm sure he was thinking it too, you know, um, before he went for the triple flip and that's, but that's what it takes. You have to block it out. And that's what makes these guys heroes and just ultimate badasses. Yeah. And, and to me, it was just such a, that's where I think that you guys are inspiring, you know, because there's so many times in, in a person's everyday normal existence where it's like, ah, oh, it's cold outside. I'm not going to go to the gym or, you know, oh, yeah. it's, it's raining a little bit, you know, like just as humans, we just bitch out of so much stuff <laughs> and it's just yeah. basic, like really basic shit. And then I think that that's, you know, why you guys are admired and why you guys have, um, I don't know, like people look up to you guys in such a gnarly ways because it's like, the challenge that you're able to overcome and it's not like i think i think in the past maybe people looked at you guys as though you had no fear and you didn't think of the consequences and that but that's not the narrative dude the narrative is that you guys are just gnarly enough to actually overcome all of those things and still pull the trigger and to me it's just like infinitely impressive yeah yeah i think you just i think you just put in the work and you prepare as much as you can and when it comes time to go for something you know you're thinking about if you could get hurt but it's like the goal is um it outweighs it almost you're just like hey if i were to land let's say harry bink like if i were to land a triple flip or jay archer it's like you could land it that is badass and you're gonna be so stoked if you land it you know the vic the victory or the the goal has been reached that's huge 
Um, and you just work hard and prepare for something and then, uh, and then you kind of just say, all right, F it, I'm going for it, you know? And then whatever you prepared for, it kind of shows on the result of if you landed or not, or how far off you were, whatever it is. So I think that's what kind of gets me out of bed to go do the stuff I've been doing for my YouTube. It's like, how sick would it be if I go jump that highway or if I go jump the train or whatever and like, um, build the right ramp and test it and make sure it's good. And then it's, you know, it sucks. You're like, dude, I could be laid up for months if I backside this train or what if I go too far or something or whatever. But then, uh, when you stomp it, it's like, it feels like Christmas morning or something, but times 10, you're like, dude, that was so awesome, man. Like, I can't wait to post that. And, uh, yeah. And then going back to what you said about like, is a 42nd reel of the triple flip. I don't even look at the reels. I skip through them. I don't even look at my phone when it's like super cross, you know, I'm like, don't tell me who wins. If anyone's on their phone, don't tell me who wins. Cause I want to watch the full broadcast, you know, same with rampage. Like I go to the full broadcast. I, I kind of don't even look at the thumbnails and then I'll go to it. And I want to watch the whole thing. Cause that's uh then you get to see all that stuff the preparation you know harry warming up and jay getting ready and his celebration after you know and that's like that's the way i like to watch stuff so yeah yeah being there in person was just like a whole different level you know like you just you feel it like you really feel everything that you're going through and like to be to be like worried for someone and then to have it be okay is just the craziest like the craziest feeling yeah, how high I, I said are they to him after I'll, bro it's like 80 feet or something or like i know yeah. so eight stories they said so i don't know yeah, how in high person that is in or on video you don't see that you see them go high but in person you hear the bike you see how high they are you're looking at like it's so much different in person that's the same thing with uh x games quarter or world games quarter or even watching those guys um freestyle best trick out at x games you know uh, you're seeing them go for double flips in practice and you're thinking like dude this is so gnarly i'm like i would never want to do freestyle best trick like it's insane and then they say the same thing to me like i would never want to do quarter pipe like that looks insane i'm like why well, I, I do it so much you know i feel good with it but when you go for the big air still you you're like in the air like tripping out like whoa i could totally <laughs> wreck my brains out right now dude well, i took my chick as well and she's never seen anything like it and she was yeah. just like this is actually fucked up like she's not from moto she's not from she's got nothing to do with it she'd never even been in a stadium yep. before and she was all like this actually isn't okay <laughs> like why are these people yeah. allowed the to progression this? you know like i remember going to a home depot center when i was like 12 years old watching everybody pastrana on the silver bike and nate adams and stuff and uh and just watch them hit like the 120 ramp and even just their first tries hitting the 75 and some of those dirt step downs they were doing i'm just i was getting butterflies like whoa you know like that's huge but nowadays look at the progression guys are doing triple flips on a like oversized they call it the moon booter ramp but it's like double the size of that it's just yeah and they're still just a just a dude you know just a dude with a helmet on just going for it it's crazy well even i mean i think like uh i'll hit there's a, a cool jump that we hit that's like 110 feet or something like it's like a, it's like safe uh, safe as a house but i mean even i was doing some coaching stuff with townley and uh he's like righto we're, we're going fourth gear wrapped into this thing and then shutting off before the up ramp and then like you're just gonna float off that thing and it's like the 
you get like that weakness you know like when you're do- trying something new for the first time you've got like that adrenaline and you just kind of like feel yeah. like you're weak and folding into the <laughs> ramp and i'm like dude imagine doing a triple flip and you've got that weakness in your body from like the adrenaline it's like it's like the first time you're in a street fight like you're throwing a punch like as hard as you can it's like your fucking arms made out of marshmallows you know <laughs> and it's like to yeah. think that you could you know triple flip and have that like feeling of like weakness in your body or like hit a distance jump just even that i'm like i'm scared of doing something and just being too weak in my body from adrenaline to like even (laughs) jump the fucking jump yeah that's the preparation you know like uh the quarter pipe i remember the first day out at the world games in practice in paris california in a parking lot and yeah. uh, it was just a practice day no one had hit the ramp and we started just carving and just going like a foot above coping and a couple feet you know and i was like real eager to make a name for myself there because i wasn't nobody i didn't have one logo on my bike and i was just uh going bigger and bigger and 10 foot and 12 foot and people are like whoa dude like and then next thing you know 15 but you start there and then 15 becomes normal and you're comfortable and then 20 is kind of gnarly but then you get comfortable and i think uh, it's the same for those guys like they're going for triple flips into a bag or, or whatever and double flips airing them out and you just kind of keep just progressing and but then the end product is just yeah it's insane it's cool it's, for them to do it live for everybody to see that too is it's a uh, it's like almost unbelievable yeah it's sort of almost a shame that it seems like freestyle motocross as a sport kind of almost became like a victim of its own success or it was just like it was like a bubble there was just this crazy period of progression where it was like one backflip and carry heart and gravity games and x games and then you got like the next wave of like Pastrana and Nate Adams and then you kind of got like the then you got the Josh Sheans and those guys and it just kept progressing but it seemed like the more it progressed the more people just got used to seeing uh the tricks and used to there just the shock value was gone you know like uh, my yeah. chick is is like weird that she's never seen something like that in her life like she's like an outlier you know and it's hard to reach those those people and it's like we've got these amazing athletes and these you know they're doing this crazy shit but slowly over time people just like almost got over it to where you know there's guys that just like don't even make a living doing freestyle now which is crazy to me and to think like when we were kids you would have thought this is just this this is this you know epic job that could kind of go forever yeah yeah well it's dangerous and uh i think a lot of people get turned off to the riding part of it but um it's like seeing the same kind of tricks over and over again. I think that's where like creativity is important, you know? And, uh, like, I think that's why free riding will never die. Cause free riding is whatever you mm. want it to be. You know, like you could be out building a massive dirt hit that no one's hit yet and hitting that. And that's its own thing. Or like, you know, like I've been trying to find different stuff to jump and ride. And I think a lot of people are finding that as creative and it's just something different, you know? And that's, I think that's, kind of cool from like I grew up racing motocross Beerman did and stuff and uh that's why we kind of have like bike control to go do that stuff where freestyle is uh you know some of the guys it's hard for them to ride free ride stuff and I think that kind of makes free riding prestigious in itself but then again we would never go out and try backflip double grabs and backflip rock solids that would take months of time to learn so 
Um, and then you go to fairs and stuff, you watch the freestyle shows in person, they're big. They're like, they draw a lot of people and it's huge, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've just been trying to keep stuff creative and do stuff on my channel that's different. And yeah, and I have so much fun with it too, just cause I'm like, am I going to pull this off or I'll go out to like, I went out to Yuma, Arizona, uh, last week and I found this really cool obstacle. It's like a hip, you know, it's pretty tech for a dirt bike first gear. And it felt like a BMX hip. And then, uh, the road gap thing, like we didn't really, we planned on a road gap, but we didn't plan on the hip. And then the road gap was so fun. It was just, you're kind of learning as you go and finding new stuff. And I think that's like what really keeps me like motivated is free riding and just finding new stuff and, you know, sky's the limit. You could do whatever you want. So I, I don't know. I mean, I love the, the tricks and stuff too. And I kind of started learning more for ramp, um, shows and stuff like that, but but yeah, I mean that's gnarly. It's its own thing. So Pastrano is really good at keeping it creative. He's back flipping off his bike and roosting or whatever, yeah. ghost riding his bike. Metzger was always a psycho dude, like give some crazy speech and just whiskey yeah. throttle off a landing and just wreck or cliff a ramp or you know what I mean? Like that was wild. So um but yeah, I mean anything you could be creative and I see a lot of guys doing cool stuff in freestyle too, so I'm I'm stoked to watch it. So with the, you kind of brought up something cool before when you talked about Nitro, uh, the practice in the car park and you didn't have any sponsors and and any logos. Is it crazy to you to think that you were that guy only a few years ago and then you pulled together enough funding to build a quarter million dollar landing and you're a factory Husqvarna rider? Like there's some crazy shit that's happened to you in the last few years purely based off like the level of riding that you've been able to do. I mean, that must've been a pretty hard journey to kind of get to that point. Yeah. I think like the results talk, you know, and I've always kind of relied on that. Like I knew I was a good rider and I'd go out to the Hills as a nobody. And I helped shovel a lot of the jumps that were in those, the chasing the storm movies and stuff. And, uh, and I always kind of showed like I showed my skill out there. So I kind of knew I had that part, but, uh, but definitely it is a trip. I think I'm finally used to it now and I'm starting, I've got, you know, different LLCs and a corporation and I'm, yeah. I'm juggling like things, you know, I've got my own property. We're building out, um, uh, at my, I, I bought like 10 acres out in the desert and, uh, we're building this, some of the sickest stuff I've seen and I'm stoked to release that coming up and, and then the YouTube and the merch and, uh, and then just my sponsors and keeping them all stoked and then competitions, you know, so juggling all that, it's crazy. But, um, but yeah, I remember back then I was literally homeless, you know, um, living like I, I was sleeping in my truck going into my first X games. And I borrowed a van from militia to drive out to Minneapolis with a couple buddies. And, uh, just for the quarter pipe was the only event I was in. And I just, you know, trained for that. And I just had one goal and, and I kind of relied on that in a way. I was like, you know, one day I'm going to get this like first win or, you know, just my invite to X games was huge. Uh, but then I showed like at nitro for practice, that was before my first X games. And I went higher than everybody that day too, you know? So I was like four or five feet higher than, uh, Axel the first day we practiced at nitro, uh, on that big ramp. And Pastrana was so stoked on me that day. It's just like checking off these crazy things. Like Pastrana's giving me a high five. You know what I mean? Who would have thought? Like, yeah. But uh, but yeah. I mean, I had like a couple sponsors. Um, some like dispensary, cannabis dispensaries were helping me get to X Games that year. But uh, 
yeah, I just kind of really didn't do a whole lot of like talking or whatever. I just focused on my craft and what I could pull off at a contest. So it's like, you know, yeah. be ready, like cut weight, show up with a good bike, show like put in the extra days on the practice for quarter. And then ever since then, it's been the same thing. And I think it's just, um, you know, every year I keep proving myself that I'm the guy to beat or whatever. And I've won the last few of them. So yeah, it is a trip though. I, I always like think about that. Like, man, yeah, I was, I was bouncing around from couch to couch for years and I would work construction, like two jobs at the same time, just to save up enough money so I could quit both jobs and then go stay in my yeah. van and go free ride all winter. Cause I wanted to make a name for myself. And I knew if I was out there every day, you know, I'd, I'd start networking, meeting people, um, try to get sponsors. So it was like, I'd run out of money and I'd be like, shit, you know, I got to go back. So I'd go back into LA and set my mattress up in my van and go grind. Like I'd work nights and then, uh, clock out. And then I'd go find a, I had a day job too. And I didn't tell my bosses I was working both. So, uh, I, but I was like about to get fired by both bosses. Cause they're like, dude, what are you doing? Are you not sleeping? You look like shit, man. You're showing up just like, <laughs> you look haggard. And I come Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I'm just like, dude, I slept like two hours, like a night or in between jobs I've running on like eight hours of sleep for five days you know I'm just but I'd I'd stack both jobs uh and then some of the night guys would want to work till like four or five a.m you know some nights like they wanted extra hours or whatever and I'm like dude you guys want to clock out and they're like no what are you a pussy I'm like I'm gonna go clock in in like three hours dude I gotta work days too but I'd do that and then I'd save up and then I'd, I'd be able to go stay in my van or whatever, sleep on couches down in the Inland Empire and then I'd go free ride all winter. And I just kept grinding because I saw it. I kind of could tell I was flipping stuff before other guys. I'd be like doing just as big as whips as some of the, the big name dudes in the hills and I'd uh, just put it all together. And then the quarter pipe thing was like saved my whole like life because I'm like, dude, free riding is sweet, but the quarter pipe was where I could really excel. And then I put it all together mm. and yeah, it's been a mission, man, but my sponsors are taking care of me and yeah, I've won the last few years and now I've got new stuff going on and I'm starting to put more effort into my YouTube channel. It's been so much fun. So, um, just keep grinding, you know, try not to get hurt. Dude, I, I just, I love it, man. Like I just, that's the story that you want to, it's the story you want to hear. And I just feel like it's the guy that, you know, you want to be. And I just think like we just live in such a world these days where people want everything and they want everything now. And it's like to to be that guy that just grinded and grinded and worked two jobs and, you know, like then lived in a van. It's just that's the shit that I, I wish more people because everyone wants to be Colby Raha that's there right now, you know, but that Colby Raha yeah. that's there right now five years ago was sleeping two hours a night and doing construction job like that's the same Colby Raha so it's like if you want to be the Colby Raha right now then you've also got to want to be that guy too and it's like there's no there's no promise when you're the guy sleeping in the van working two construction jobs back to back that you're going to be the guy that's sitting there right now there's no there's no guarantees and I think that no. if there was a guarantee like if there was if someone came to you and said like if you just do this for five years this is where you'll get up to then I think everybody would be down to do it then they would but when there's it, yeah. no guarantee bro and you're the guy that's like got to get up to that fucking alarm like that the, the yeah. respect level you've got to have for that guy is just through the roof and then you d you've earned everything you've got 
Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I remember sleeping in the van working two jobs, and I'm like, man, if I ever pull this off, this is going to be a cool story, you know? But it could have <laughs> easily not worked out, and I just would get so mad because I was, I was kind of like on the fence of free riding or uh I wanted to race kind of supercross stuff. So I was doing the uh, Ricky Carmichael's road to supercross. It was the arena cross stuff. And, uh, and I would save up all this money and I'd just be going through it at work. Like, man, this shit sucks. I'm just going to get out of here and I'm going to go grind. And I'd take that same work ethic to going out in a mountain biking. And then I'd show up and I'd blow through all my money, you know, tires and gas and oil. And I remember after uh, I drove all the way to Cincinnati in my van with a flip phone and like no map even, I'm just like 10 to 20 freeway to the, all the way up to Cincinnati. And then I get there and I get cut off in the first heat race. And, uh, it's like some squirrel is like a rutted section and, uh, just dislocated my left shoulder and I couldn't pop it in for a little bit. And I'm like, dude, I couldn't ride the next week. I went to Baltimore and I tried to ride and it's the whoops was just so gnarly. I had my shoulder taped. I'm like, dude. I spent so much money. This racing stuff is just out of control. So now I'm just going to go home and I'm going to start free riding. And then I was doing the same thing, but actually I was like saving my money and lasting a lot longer, um, off of what I'd saved. And, um, and then it just, everything started coming together. And, and then I just remember those times and I'm like, dude, you know what? I'm going to take the same approach to what I'm doing. My friends are like, you want to drive to where and go like, chop down a fence and build a ramp and jump this and that and like what that sounds like a mission and I'm like dude it ain't that bad we got this like grab all my cordless tools you start building a ramp testing it oh it's like too steep man I'm gonna land flat I'm gonna blow up my wheels I gotta build a longer one but I just you know I just like put in that whatever it takes to get you know whatever I think would be sweet uh that's the goal I'm just gonna put it all together and try to do it you know and that was kind of the goal back then too is like I know I'm grinding and working but my goal is to like I didn't think I'd make money at it so I started my YouTube channel back then just riding uh the hills and filming with a home video camera and I'm like at least YouTube will kind of pay and then if I need to I can ride freestyle shows and then at least I'll be riding my bike and we'll see what happens at least for now and then uh and then just being out there all the time and then like I said the quarter pipe thing came up and I was like I can get an invite to X games, you know, like that's, that's it. I got this and I just put in the work and got the quarter pipe going and, uh, and then showed up for that. But yeah, you just put a goal together and kind of figure out the steps it it takes to get to the, to the end goal and try not to get hurt and all that. Dude, dirt bikes are so gnarly. You can wreck so hard on them, but if you prepare, right, you know, you're, you're pretty much good. So it's been a journey, but yeah, I'm blessed where do you think that the motivation came from to do it because i mean i think like even with me like it's i'm just doing a fucking podcast like it's not gnarly i'm not like i'm not putting my body on a lot like it's different yeah, you're doing right? a good job at it. it but it's like i mean there's there's like years dude where it's like you're not making any money and it was just me and like people would people would um like people sort of wouldn't realize like I do a three-hour show, right? And there's two cameras. And then I've got to then, like, get that footage. And then for three hours, I've got to, like, switch the camera back and forth. Because, like, there's no one doing that. So, it's like, I yeah. did a, I do, like, three of these shows a week. So, that's, like, nine hours yeah. worth of shows. 
and then when I'd spend another nine hours out, like dude. staring, <laughs> like staring at myself, and I'm like, "This is so retarded! Like this, is, none of this makes no, fucking it's sick, sense." Like, dude, your your show's killing it, man. You got all the big names, and like I remember when you first came out with the show, and I seen some of the names you had on there, and I'm like, "This is looking good," you know. And then now it's you know, and I meant to be on it back then, but yeah, it's blowing up, dude. You're just putting in the work. I think for me, the motivation is uh. Like I remember like my boss offered me this this deal back then to be a finished carpenter and build cabinets and stuff. And we were building music studios for like high end houses in Beverly Hills and I was down there like every day for like I think it was like a two year thing I was on and he told me, Hey, you know what? I'm gonna have you work with our best uh finished carpenter and you're gonna learn his craft in about five years, you know, you could be making like thirty five to like fifty an hour, you know. And I'm like, all right, yeah, sweet, sounds good, you know? And then I'm just hanging out at, like, the parties on the weekends at the houses, and I'm thinking, I'm like, dude, I don't know if I want to do this every day like this every week for five. Like, you just drew out my whole life, bro. Like, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather at least go risk it all and go gamble and go do the living in the van thing and see if it all comes together because – at, at the end of that, I either failed and I can go get my job or go, you know, do whatever. But uh, if it works out, then it's like, you know, I've got the dope cars and I can get the hot chick, you know, like I can have whatever I want to do. Like, and that's, and that's like the gamble, but it's like, I see the, like, I can see what it would be like at the end. And now yeah. it's, you know, it's, it wasn't it wasn't easy you know there's injuries and fails a lot of fails you know like um shooting myself in the foot type situations and stuff here and there but but that was it you know i'm like dude i think this is the way to go it's like if not i'll give my old boss a call and i'll go sign like i'll go work monday you know and then i can do my job and that's that's cool too i think i was just born into dirt biking before i can even remember my dad used to take me out to go ride all the tracks i grew up in acton right outside of palmdale and um and we rode mike kajowski's tracks and uh kyle lewis's tracks so that's all i knew growing up and my dad's competitive we raced loretta's and i think that he kind of instilled that work ethic and and then i kind of seen what i was doing i was beating like top guys at races you know and uh and i always was kind of at the top of my class with like and then one thing i wanted to do is like i was kind of so tired of like being at the track or like hearing whatever my dad was telling me I kind of wanted to go do my own thing and ride BMX for a little bit and like see if I was good at that and I started doing that and I got so good uh really quickly learned backflips without a foam pit on a BMX and then um and then once the parent split thing I was like cool I've got BMX the good thing I did that for the like the last few years because now I can do that and I did that for years and uh and then I got a signature frame from standard bike co and rick Molinterno out in uh um iowa and so we took a road trip out there and we did a whole tour and stuff and uh and i was riding bmx and a lot of the guys like larry edgar and all these dudes they're like dude i knew you from bmx i didn't even know you rode dirt bikes like i thought you were just like an up-and-coming like borderline about to be like a pro bmxer and uh but then, you know, free riding became so fun and it felt like just like BMX and I wasn't spending too much more money. I was in Paris. So 15 minute drive to the Hills in my little stick, stick shift Toyota. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, back to the whole, the goal thing and like putting it all together and all that, that's, that's kind of just the mission. It's just, 
I had the motivation, I think, just from where I grew up and just trying to be at the top level of the class and I could see what I did. I had the confidence and yeah, it was a mission, dude, but just keep trucking, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing. So, yeah. And I think that there's a, I think that for the people that are successful, um, the, the motivation is like a weird thing. Cause like, you know, for myself, like I just don't even really know where it comes from, but it's just there. And like, even when just stuff doesn't make standard, like stuff doesn't make sense to me, you know, I'm just like, I still do it. Like the money's not there. And, you know, like you sort of just, you're struggling and there's like way easier things to do in the moment, like in the moment. But the you thing, see like the I was, end goal. Yeah. And it's like, you know? it's vague and you're sort of like, you don't even really know like exactly where it's going to go. But there's just, I always kind of tell people if like people ask me, I'm like, I just feel like I'm going north. Like there's some version of like north for me. And it's like, as long as I'm just like going north, then it's sort of, it's, it's almost like north, but with a lot of this shit. You know, it's like it's straight. <laughs> yeah. You're going straight, yeah. but like there's some mountains, and then like sometimes it's flat and hot as fuck, and it's like this desert that you're walking through. And then sometimes yeah, it's flat really tire, nice, and there's like up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like, what sometimes am I it's like doing, a river huh? you got to swim across. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like what I've been. Exp- well, the whole movie thing was its own thing. You'll see all that. It's all in the movie. It's like gold rush mixed with like dirt biking and stuff towards the end with the jump. But- <laughs> Uh, but the YouTube stuff, cause I've done YouTube in the past, but I never really focused on it. I always put contests shows and there's like four or five contests a year. You got X games sometimes twice a year, the imagination in you've got, um, just different, like, I don't know, shoots and things people need and sponsor trips. And I always put all yeah. that first and my YouTube was on the back burner. You know, I'd put out a video like once every six months or something. And then now finally I'm like, yeah, I just want to focus on that. And so I'm starting to do this new thing with the YouTube and it's, it's, it's fun. Cause I go out, bust my ass, do a stunt or whatever, film it, edit it with my, uh, filmer Carcito films. And then we'll put it out. And it's like, I'm sitting there looking at my phone. I'm like, this thing's either going to blow yeah, up or it's not. And then sometimes <laughs> it's such a wall hit. I get like 60 K views in like a week and I'm like, damn I spent a good amount of energy and time and effort on that and I you know yeah, whatever might have crashed in that one and it's like what a mission dude and then uh and then I'll go out and do one and it's sometimes if it's even not a lot of work it's just something fun just whatever to go do the next thing you know it's like at a million views in three days and it's skyrocketing and I'm like dude we're killing it merch is selling you know so it's like a gamble and I think that's the fun part like whenever I post a video I think it's like a scratcher like a lottery ticket I'm like this one's either going to yeah. take off or it's not you know so it's just random but it's fun I think it's a, a lot better for me I don't know if it's just my personality but to go sit in traffic driving from uh back in the day I was staying in Newhall California driving an, an hour to uh Los Angeles or Beverly Hills to go work the same job with the same dudes and then clock out and then drive back in the same traffic and the radio I'm just like like I'll do that I would do that all day over some of the injury stuff like I wouldn't want to get injured and I'm trying not to and all that. And it's, this is a gnarly sport. So there's like the certain type of person for it. But for me, I would rather do what I'm doing now. Even if it didn't work, I would rather do what I'm doing now than to go do the same thing every day, you know? And I think it changes maybe yeah. when you get older and you start having a family, well then now you need to find something that's consistent without the risk. So, but I'm having a blast right now. And, uh, and yeah, just, yeah, like I was saying, the YouTube stuff and, 
it's a gamble, man. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but feels good. I'm just going to keep doing it. Yeah. And, and you're right. Like it's, it's hard to, and I think that that's probably where like some of the, I guess like the anxiety comes in to a sense in, in this shit is that when you're in like the game of like working for yourself or you're trying to, you know, make it at something because there is like a ticking time clock, you know, you can either be the dude that's like, like, am I still going to be pedaling a podcast at 50, not making enough money to support a family and, you know, like you be that guy or it's like, or you're in a position where like you've already got kids and you've already got a family and you've already got these responsibilities. Like it's not, it definitely ain't easy to do. And like you said, once you get those commitments then you're sort of like really locking yourself down. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of why I'm starting to go into um, doing like YouTube's and trying to build the merch thing more, is because uh, I kind of can see the the path of like what happens. You know, you start getting too hurt, and like, dude, that last injury I took in the movie, that took a lot out of me. Like, that was a gnarly one, and um, and I I don't know if I can handle too many more of those. You know, so I'm I'm starting to do stuff that I think is a little bit lo- more low risk and. Uh, and it's still fun back to free riding, you know, back to what I was doing before X games was just going out and filming and, um, just kind of trying to do different stuff to keep the income good. And, and I'm still doing contests like X games is a huge priority for me, but, um, but yeah, I'm just trying to do what I want to do and keep it fun and, um, and kind of venture out into different ways, you know, have different incomes. It's like YouTube merch, uh, salary stuff. And then now with my property, that'll be its own kind of business venture. I've spent a lot of money on that to build that place up. And it's about to become a thing. Like we're working on a video right now with Rockstar Energy out there. So, uh, but yeah, just trying to, you know, uh, get different things set up to have different incomes and keep, keep going. You mentioned before um, when your parents split up, and I, I, I could see, like, because I think I'm, I'm an action sports kid as well, you know, like my, uh, I didn't go through that in that same sense to where, like, BMX became, like, your escape, I'm assuming, from, like, everything yeah. that was kind of going on. But, I mean, for me, like, we just kind of grew up in, like, a pretty gnarly neighborhood and, uh, you know, you just, you needed something to kind of stay out of the same trouble that everyone else was getting in. And for me, that was like moto, you know, like I just wanted to get home from school as fast as I could prep all my shit and then just wait for my dad to take us riding. And I just like lived to be on the bike. I would have rode every single day of my life if I could. And, uh, and then I think like watching the movie and like kind of seeing you go from into BMX and for us, like the days we couldn't ride, we would do BMX. Like we had a, we made a foam pit out of mud and we had some sweet dirt jumps in the hills and it was like that that was like our escape from all of the crazy shit that was going on and i had a couple of like my best friends like they had some gnarly parents with like drugs and shit like that and and a lot of like abuse at home and i could see that same thing in them and dude it's it's almost like they were the best riders it was like the gnarlier the shit that they had going on at home and like the gnarlier the problems were that were going on in their life the better fucking riders those guys were and it's like when you you know when you see what you went through with your parents and and the the split that happened there and it's like you've got this bmx bike you've got this freedom where it's like sort of doesn't really matter what's going on at home uh and it's sort of 
I feel like that's like one of the most incredible things about being like an action sports kid. Yeah, I think that's the way it is too. Um, I think sports are weird because like, I don't know, it's something about like a team. Like I did high, uh, I did soccer in high school. I grew up playing soccer as a kid, but something about like the coach was such a dick and like it ruined my whole day. Like I was like, dude, you're not going to like put me in the position that I want to play and then you're going to favor these guys. Like I'm like, this is stupid. You know, I don't even want to be a part of it. Like I hate, I don't even like those guys on the team. Those guys are dicks, you know? So, um, but yeah, so like dirt biking is a family thing. You can't take yourself to the track or take yourself to the hills on a on a bike or when you're four years old or five or six or seven you can't your dad has to load your bike in a truck you got to own a truck to do it most of the time unless you want to throw it in a trunk but you're going out your dad's starting your bike putting fuel in it making sure you know so it is a family thing and that's all it was for me my dad he was into bmx he raced bmx uh like nationals and stuff when he was growing up because his dad wouldn't get him a dirt bike uh but then for when my parents to split, I'm like, you got, okay. So like what, this is the only thing that was important. My whole life is now just gone. Like it's stripped away. Now I have to choose to stay with either parent. Both of them are acting like fools. You know, like I didn't want to be a part of any of that. So I'm like, okay, well the BMX thing was great. Cause it's like, how about I just put my music in, jump on my BMX bike, ride like two and a half miles to the skate park. And then I'm good. You know, I see the locals there and I'm, and I just remembered like, I would put on the same playlist and then I would ride to the skate park and I'd be there for like four hours or something from when school ended till it closed. And I would practice, I have notes in my phone and I'd go, all right, I'm going to do like 250 oppo airs and then, you know, 250 regular airs tables. I would do like three sixties, oppo threes, fly outs. Like I just started just grinding and I'd be like, like I'd show up to the park and wave to the whatever and then I'd just be there and it's like oh Colby's over there in the bowl every day you know doing the same thing airing the deep end oppo airing this and but yeah I was like this is my ticket like and then if I wanted to hang out with friends after school what are you guys doing after school oh we're gonna go grab 40s and we're gonna go roll up some doobies and we're gonna go sit in our cars and just get loaded and it's like all right, I'd go, I'd go with them some days and I'm like, dude, I am so bored right now. Like, let's go ride bikes. Like there's dirt jumps over there. Let's just go shred. And it's like, none of them cared or didn't want to do it. So, uh, I'd just be like, whatever, I'm just going to go ride alone or whatever, you know, just go train and go to the skate park. Cause then if you wreck, there's people around, but yeah, that was a perfect outlet for me. That's what's so awesome about BMX. You don't need like parents or really any money you get a bike and you could pedal it to the store you could get a whatever like a dollar drink and then go to the skate park and be there for hours and then ride home it's like how was your day it was sick like you won't understand but i basically went higher than everyone at the whole park you know so yeah yeah, that's like the perfect outlet you know bmx is the sickest i actually sometimes i i love bmx man i almost wanted to ride bmx instead of moto like my whole childhood you know even though i was had set up for moto but when that failed, I was like, all right, perfect. I'm going to go shred BMX all day and it's going to be way more fun. And I get to have my own freedom and I don't got a dad telling me, Hey, come in hot or lift your knee up or whatever. That guy's beating you this week, or, you know, whatever. And you know how much money I'm spending to do this shit. It's like, dude, like, all right, man, shit, you know, but, uh, but it all, <laughs> it all is cool. Cause now it's like the same, 
that's where I got the do 100 oppo airs or 100 regular airs because it's like he's like you're gonna hit this corner uh, until you do 15 perfect corners we're not leaving it's like and if it's dark you know then you're gonna go home and scrub toilets he heard that from Ricky Carmichael's mom you know so it's yeah. like all right now I'm taking the same like now I want to win so I'm doing free ride and I'm doing quarter pipe I'm gonna go hit that thing you know hundreds of times until I get you know this many perfect so just a whole different uh thing you know but yeah bmx is perfect for kids who don't have the supportive family want to get out and i didn't care to go sit around and get drunk and smoke or try that or try this drug or whatever it's like dude you guys are like bumping rap music listening and and, or like doing pills or doing whatever you're doing you guys think you're so cool man but like what are you doing now like i don't even know i don't even keep in touch with those guys but i bet you they're probably sitting around doing the same exact thing you know and uh and even if this whole dirt bike thing failed for me at least i went out and tried you know so and it was fun and then go get a job you know get a job later if you want you know so but yeah I'm and how many it, how many out. kids how many kids do you like do you know and i mean i got so many the same like we'd rock up we had these uh we had these dirt jumps that like the city built for us and uh, yeah, they were like always. Australian. They were always. You're New Zealand or Australia? Australia. Okay, yeah. Australia is sick. How the the city will give you guys a park and then put uh, yeah. storage containers with shovels and hoses and wheelbarrows. I went to Adelaide every year for the step up thing, the Super Loop, and uh, yeah, dude, it was the sickest thing ever. I'm like, you guys are killing it down here. I wanted to stay forever. Everyone's bumping old school rock and roll, like Diamond Head, like Motorhead, all the sickest music and they're just all tatted, just riding BMX what every day. That's the dream, dude. Like I would do that for free all day. It was so much fun. But anyway, go ahead. Oh dude, that actually reminds me. My brother was like one of the guys that was like helping set that shit up. Maddie. You remember Maddie that was doing okay. like the the yeah, so he's like, was it? Uh, you, was he like the main guy to pick everyone up from the airport and all that? Yeah, yeah, or he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. It's a couple, only two or three guys. It's been a few years now. They haven't done, I think, after the COVID thing. But, but yeah, the, uh, that was a blast. One week, step up all week. Your back would be sore, yeah. but same thing. So I'd bring my filmer Tyson with me, and we'd go out there and uh, we'd go check in, get our bikes set up, put our graphics on, do the practice, and then I'd hit up the locals, uh, Dempsey from uh yeah adelaide and i'd go hey what up man let's go shred so we'd go grab some uh vvs and we'd go hit the trails and i'd ride all evening come back everyone's like hey where you been man i'm like dude shredding the jumps it's so much fun and then we'd go straight into practice contest and i'm so sore from riding bmx and same thing they'd, they'd come watch and then we'd go ride uh you know the woody trails or whatever like just different dirt spots they got so many out there those guys all kill it man so much fun yeah, no, I, I, that just jotted my memory. Actually, he was talking about it the other day. He was like, "Yeah, dude, Raha was out with us." And like, yeah, he was. Him and Dave were like the guys that sort of put it yeah, all together. Yeah, Dave. Dave's the were, one that picked were, us up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's good stuff out there. That was fun. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we. I remember we we used to go to these like dirt bike jumps, and they were like kind of made by the city, or whatever. And it was just like every day you just felt like you were risking like your life just going there you know because we were like grommies and then they'd just be like all these drugged out fuckwits but they kind of <laughs> like half shredded on bmx you know yeah so well yeah that, like, that could be, be like, like the 
that could be like the bummer too with action sports. You kind of got to stay clear of that. There's like this thing that's cool about, or people think is cool where it's like, these guys get loaded and ride. And it's like, okay, dude, yeah, you could do that. But if you're serious, like you got to cut the shit out and like, you know, get your tricks straight and start uh, getting your stuff together. And I talked to my buddy, Eric uh, Sorensen, and he's training his uh, nephews to golf right now. And he's like, I'm like, Hey, how's golf? Cause he grew up in skating the whole, he was the weed map TM. And, uh, and I'm, I'm like, Hey, how's golf? He's like, these kids are killing it, man. They're, they're great. And he's like, and you know what? Raising them around an industry where there's not like your loaded drug addict dudes, like skate parks, you get that shit all day, you know? And then yeah. the dirt jump, same thing. It's like these dudes are, cause the kids are finding a place to go get loaded and smoke pot and all that. And it's at, at a young age and get wasted drunk and do whatever else they're doing. But the skate park and the dirt jumps is a perfect place for them to go do that and get away with it. Cause they fit right in. But anyways, like, yeah, I've been golfing, man. Everyone's so respectable. These kids are so like on point with everything. So yeah, that's crazy. I never even thought of that, you know? Yeah. It, it was like a, it was a crazy, it was like a crazy deal to kind of just feel like you were risking it every day. And, and you'd like, you'd kind of just fully wait your turn to drop in and like you know have your crack at the jumps because you'd just be like yep. scared to fucking piss anyone off but like there was yeah. just so many talented dudes that just like never went anywhere because they wanted to be like the king of that one local spot and it's just like yep. I, I'm, I don't know whether I don't know what it was but I would just always look at these guys and be like you could be so fucking good like it's a massive world out there like you could go to America like you could go you're really good at doing this and there was just like yeah. so much wasted talent that just like did drugs and wanted to be the king of the local skate park yeah. or the local dirt job yeah and I think I think that's the difference too between like a golf and a moto BMX it's like you get to hang out with some of the funniest gnarliest people mm. like uh, you know what I mean? Like you're sitting at the dirt jumps and it's like your one buddy just wrecked his brains out, just over jumped something to his head, you know? And it's like, he gets up and he's like, Oh, now you got to go. And then everyone's like, all right, go for it, pussy. And then, you know, then you have to go for it. And you stomp for it or wreck, you know, and then you hang out at a party later and you got something to talk about. And it's funny, dude. Like I remember in high school, uh, we were the skater BMX crowd. All my buddies, like mammoth, this snowboard in there, like going on trips. What are you doing? We're going to go skate after school. And then you had like the football dudes and the football dudes are wearing their jerseys and just acting like they're so cool. And we're like, dude, you guys are such punks. And we throw like a milk carton and hit him in the back or whatever, like the biggest, baddest football dude or whatever. And he's just like, <clears throat> like act like it didn't happen you know i don't even want to start with you dudes like we're all just bumping music in the parking lot it's just like showing up to school all loose you know but i think that's the part of the that i'm attracted to like for action sports is you get to hang with some of the most badass dudes and have the most fun you know and maybe you don't get that in golf i've never played but um but yeah i think that's what uh that's what i think is fun about it because even if the dudes aren't killing it and th- like nowadays you can have a YouTube channel and the dude doesn't even have to be good. But if he's funny, you know, and you find like, that's what you like out of the dude, he doesn't have to be the gnarliest guy doing the biggest stuff, but he's like fun and creative and having a good time. That's what's cool about YouTube is like, it's in the moment and it's uh real and you know, guys are making names for themselves from not being the biggest, baddest dude on a bike too. So it's pretty sick. 
yeah dude it's like it is true but i I thought about this recently like i went and did a trip with some guys that are like they're in a diff they're in a different lane they're like racing car kind of world so it's like they're gnarly motherfuckers but still kind of like buttoned up and i was like talk just telling stories of like fucking like crazy drug shit like just shit that you see go down and shit that we were like we're kind of around growing up and and i just kind of I sort of had a bit of a moment where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm a bit of a fucking punk. <laughs> like, maybe I am like a bit of a... That I just... Well, I, I was like kind of attracted to that shit. Like, or maybe... Yeah. But I mean, I wasn't... I wasn't even the gnarliest dude in that sense. So maybe to me, like, it looks kind of mellow, like, from my angle and my perspective. But then when you shift it into that world, I, like, come across, like, maybe a bit of a piece of shit. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck, yeah. I was, like, well, sort of just kind of attracted too. to, like, being bad in a sense yeah yeah it's like being crazy loose like being uh you know knucklehead or whatever but always having like respect is important you know like so it's like dude that guy's out of control but he's respectful and he gets his job done that's like really all it matters and uh and then yeah so i've got like my other side of the family like my mom's side and uh and they're like college and pretty strict and stuff and i swear when i hang around them i'm like dude they must think i'm such a dickhead you know like the shit that comes out of my mouth like and i don't even notice it until i'm around them like i'm hanging out talking and then i'll say some story about like whatever i went did something you know and they're like dude you act like that's so normal like you're a knucklehead and uh i don't know i just think that's like part of it or whatever but but being respectful, getting your job done, you know, paying your bills on time and all that, that's still kind of got to be grounded, but it's fun to get out of control, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody, breaking anybody's property or, you know, damaging stuff or whatever, like, it's pretty much all good. Yeah, and I just always think, like, like, I know I'm not gnarly, you know, like, and I think that in action sports, there's always like a gnarlier dude. So maybe you kind of just, I mean, not, maybe not in your case, like once you start getting into, into your level, like there's not that many dudes that are gnarlier, but it's like, I think from where I always sat, I was always like, it ain't that big a deal. Like the guys that I look up to are just doing like fucked up shit that I would never, ever, <laughs> ever even contemplate doing. Yeah, I've seen some of the gnarliest dudes that they don't even really care. Like, they don't, they ride and stuff, but some of, like, my best friends, they're the craziest dudes there is, you know? Like, driving to Vegas, these dudes are just such a shit show. They show up, and it's like, oh, my God, man. And uh, and some of them do ride, and, and they're wild, but they just don't care to be like professional and make it their career or whatever for whatever reason maybe they have like a family business or whatever it is but yeah I think you meet some of the craziest people you know in, in this industry and uh and yeah definitely some of my friends are just the most gnarliest people I've ever met they make me feel like a pussy you know like I'm like dude I, these guys are so out of control I feel like I'm the adult right now watching these guys like this is insane you know like the for sure like the biggest pirates like should have been on a boat in 177 whatever it was uh and we're in the lobbies in vegas and i'm like dude you guys are out of control like jumping on the tigers at mgm and i don't even know dude like but yeah that stuff's fun and stuff but you got to keep it cool you know like keep it somewhat respectful or you know like keep it completely um we got sponsors man we got to represent people and i i i keep it cool i used to be a little more rowdy back in the day and now i'm just focused on doing the doing the youtube merch and competitions you know and uh 
making sure everything's going good and uh and making some money you know nowadays so um back to the bmx thing a bit too i think that's probably like one of the best bases that you can have in in moto and it's probably where so much of like your style comes from and even in narnia there's just like little kind of sections of you like riding in skate parks and like you're just you're literally able to transfer those skills across like one to one and yeah man the just the bmx thing just seems like the craziest foundation for riding yeah that's why i think it all worked out with free riding and why it felt so like natural going into free riding coming from a racing background um was like okay i can ride bmx like really well and and then uh i have all the bike control for motoing so it's like wall ride this or you know wheel tap jump that or um find a gap or a transfer you just look at things differently like um and then being able to build ramps for my framing uh background it's it's just cool i'm like trying to use what i have to do stuff that i'd be stoked on or stuff that i mean it's weird because it gets competitive and other riders are kind of dogging on you for doing stuff but it's like dude i don't care what you guys think i i kind of care what like the kids think and like what are they looking up to like i would have been really stoked to watch some of the stuff i've just did uh, the stuff i just did on my youtube as an eight-year-old kid i would have been like that was awesome you know and every time you drive by a freeway or you see a train or whatever it's like mm. that's the stuff that i would have been stoked on and i'm i'm kind of surprised it took me this long to like go out and start doing more of that and i think it was because i was saving a lot of the stuff i've been doing i wanted to do for real moto i didn't want to just go out and do it for no, you know no reason but now it, i have a reason it's for my youtube i'm gaining a lot of subscribers and and they're not doing real moto anymore so i got bronze my first year i won gold back to back uh 18 and 19 was it 19 and 20 and then uh and then they canceled it or whatever so they're not doing it so now it's like okay what do i do with all these cool spots and stuff i'm just gonna start doing them treating it like how i would have treated real moto but i'll just do that for my youtube now yeah the youtube thing's pretty insane like the level of traction that you can that you can get um and it's cool like axel's obviously been doing his youtube stuff and then you're doing your youtube stuff like it and it is important i guess like you know when we said at the top of this it's like our generation it was dvds and it's like you know you making narnia was almost like making it for our generation but it's like nowadays the the generation of kids that need to be inspired to kind of like keep pushing action sports forward uh, they're on youtube and i hadn't really thought of it i mean yeah dude for sure and youtube's like like tv nowadays you know yeah and like you said with um you know driving down a highway and you see a train or you see like a massive you know like the la river drain or you see you know like some highway gap like for me growing up i used to drive through the hills and think like man you could jump that and you could or even you know like we just drove to melbourne supercross and we're like dude imagine the track you can make in there but it's like you're yeah, actually and doing that's what i'm doing but then i'm like i have a grinder i have a sawzall i have shovels i got a couple dudes that are down to help and then let's go bust it out but yeah i think like uh youtube is like tv nowadays and it's a trip because i'm not like i don't come from that um generation like i grew up with tv and dvds and movies 
Um, but any kid you ask nowadays, they run up. You got a YouTube channel? Like, hey, are you on YouTube? And it's like, dude, yeah, you guys literally think YouTube is TV nowadays. Like, as an eight-year-old kid, that's what is. That's what you do. You go home, you click on YouTube. You don't click on channel 800 that's uh, Moto or ESPN or whatever, you know? So it's Or 333 on DirecTV was MTV. It's like, you don't do that anymore. Um, so that And that's why I think it's important, and that's why I'm putting effort into it is because I own the content. I'm building my channel. My sponsors, of they're all, of course, happy with it because I'm getting like almost 2.6 million views in the last 28 days, my thing says. And it's like, of course, they're stoked. But then it all comes back to me. It's like the merch that I'm wearing or whatever, like new drops I have, I can promote there. I can pro- promote my movie on YouTube. Um, and kids are all like tuning in. So I think it's like a perfect platform. And it's like, you know, I'm finally putting more effort into it recently rather than just like contests yeah. the last five, six years, you know? Man, I think it's super dope. Like I, I've been watching um, a bunch of your stuff, especially like knowing we're doing this and it, you're just doing it so right. It's very true to you. Like you, it doesn't come across like you're a YouTuber, uh, but it's still got that. I think it's still like hitting for the the demographic that you're trying to get. And like, there's just crazy money in it like if you can get to the point which you you will where you'll get like a million subscribers and every video yeah. that you're doing like i mean look at what the deegans are doing dude and look at what they've been able to build off of that yeah they've been tackling it you know and that's that's inspiring for me to see what they're doing and um and i'm like you know like another you know, just kind of looking at it i'm like i think i can do it you know i think i could pull off a successful channel and I already had a lot of subscribers from the last few years because I'd put up real moto stuff or whatever. Um, but yeah. now it's like, this is going to be fun. You know, like I don't, I don't really care to do as much. I'm going to do X games. Of course I'm going to do contests, but I'm kind of like, dude, I'm so worn out. Like I just want to go hang out with my friends, go find some creative gap and then film it. And then, you know, keep building that channel because after contests and after when I'm, let's say I'm too injured or worn out or whatever, or if I don't feel like going a hundred feet in the air off the nitro world quarter, uh, then I can have my channel, you know? So it's like, that's perfect. It's just kind of like a backup plan. That's, uh, it's a lot of fun too. So and it's worth it. It's paying out, you know. And then uh, thank you to everybody for buying merch too, because that helps out too. Yeah, and, and th- dude, there's there's a point too. Like when you've been through the grind that you've been through, there's just a point where like you just can't do it in the same way. Like for me, what I was saying about switching those cameras back and forth and looking at myself like doing the interviews and then literally watching myself on a computer screen for every other second of the day hearing my own voice like i fucking hated myself (laughs) like i was so over it it sucks watching your own stuff for sure dude i didn't want to talk to people in my like normal life i didn't really want to socialize like i was just like even now sometimes i get home and i'm just like i can't talk like i'm done i just don't i just need to literally just like fucking sit down and not have any interactions and it's like that grind like takes a toll on you and like i'm lucky now that we got we got it to the point where i've got like two awesome boys that work here a lot of that stuff like i don't have to do anymore but i'm guessing that it's like a similar thing for you where it's like okay i did the fucking construction i worked the two jobs i built the crazy ramps i sent the crazy shit like i did it and i'm fucking certified and it's like i can't do that forever it's not viable and i mean with you guys 
Like, I got a risk of, like, burning out and being over it. You got a risk of fucking yourself up heavy. So it's like, there's yeah. a there's a, there's a time where you, you have to just kind of put it to the side a bit. Yeah, and I feel like that's kind of how contests are for me. Um, like, quarter pipe stuff is so gnarly. And nobody really posts uh, what goes into practicing for quarter pipe. And, like, they they choose to do it in July. And, like, I don't know if people over the world look at Southern California's weather in that month, but it's like 105, you know, like 100 consistently or 98, you're lucky it's under 100. It's only 98 today, but you're out in the sun riding quarter pipe. And then uh, it's just kind of a lot of wear and tear on you, like stress, you know, because, you know, at some point, well, you're airing like record heights every day, like for me, a lot of times a day. And even that's dangerous. You know, you have one funky pole or like a weird air and it's like, you're not just like 12 feet over a quarter pipe where you could like case the coping and knock yourself out. You're like 48 feet. I went 49 at uh, the last X games when I won, but 49 feet is no joke to be in the air. And you're doing that for, you know, a month and a half or two months going in as soon as you find out that X games is happening eating right i mean that's why i have so much respect for racers man because moto is like that all the time i mean they're not going uh 100 feet or whatever it is 80 feet in the air um but they are pushing their limits and going as fast as they can go and their bike can go all the time you know you hit one little bump like a weird square edge if it's watered too much you're breaking you know bones or you're lucky if you don't get really injured um, so it's just that kind of consistency of that, something that gnarly kind of wears me out. And then after just the injuries in the last like few years, I mean, I need to get surgery at some point. I got to get surgery on both shoulders, probably get plates removed out of my leg or my uh, pelvis at some point. And, uh, but yeah, that's, that's something that I would kind of get like worn out on his contests. But, uh, that's why I'm just having more fun free riding, you know, cause it's, it's lower risk. And I think that's why I like free riding more than how racing was for me because racing, you're pushing it all the time. Those guys are just the gnarliest athletes ever. You know, they're eating the best food they can. They're training all the time, cardio, everything they're doing, the injuries they're trying to rehab and come back from, and then pushing it that hard every day on their bike is just insane. Where we, like, as free riders, we get to go out and, uh, hit like a really fun jump a few times and then of course contests are going to be gnarly where we do get risky but it's only like one month or two months out of the year where you have Mm. to be perfect and there's something about like when you're racing there's all this anxiety where you're just pushing it and you're you're moving at such a quick pace and handling so much stuff it's such a high intensity of focus uh, with everything else that they do but for us it's like an eight second burst of focus like okay I got to go hit this quarter pipe. I got to give it full throttle. I got to handle the, the, um, pop off the lip and not like let my legs give out and get the right pull. And if I do that, then I can spot the landing and stomp it. And then after that, it's like, I get to breathe again where they're like 30 minutes plus two, just, you know, it's just gnarly, man. I, I wish that they paid the racers a lot more money because I think uh, it would make the industry a lot cooler even to watch. I think, like, who likes to watch golf? I could care less. But 
I'll watch it because they're making millions of dollars. And that's interesting. Just the money part's interesting. Yeah. Where in yeah. Moto, they're really not making a ton of money and unless they have a big uh, energy drink sponsor and they're winning consistently over the like span of four or five years, you can stack up some serious cash. But look at like uh, 15th place. I mean, you guys talk about it all the time. You guys have covered it. Uh, it's just you're making like you're breaking even if you're getting 10th, you know, it seems like. And that's if you don't injure yourself. And that's if you have sponsors. 10th, I mean, maybe 15th, but you're really not making a ton. And I think when people tune in to watch it, they go, well, this is crazy. This is interesting. It looks great. How much are they making? And then they hear and it's like, mm, yeah, I wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? For the money. But the effort they put in, and I think that, uh, and I think four strokes also kind of killed it. Like, who wants to go spend ten grand on a bike, and then go pay money to ride it, and then maintenance, and then crash, and then bend your bars, and then spend two hundred bucks on bars? And it's like, I think back when two strokes were three thousand bucks, it was a lot more. Uh, you could actually do it. Go buy a bike, put yeah. it on your credit card, three grand, go ride, go moto, you know, crash, but your bars, like your bikes just blow a top end, a few hundred bucks to fix it. Simple to fix. You could do it yourself in your garage. I think moto just, uh, it needs to get a little bit, or you just come from a really cool family that wants to back you and you're blessed to do it. And then, you know, you're a racer. It's, it's just hard to pull it off. Like I got a lot of, um, credit for the guys that are privateers for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, people are probably going to get sick of me talking about it and Americans probably just going to fucking hate on me uh, continuously for it. But I think that that's one of the biggest things. Like, me and Hill talked about it and it, well, I hadn't really thought of it until me and Hill spoke the other day was that I really think that this World Supercross thing is going to help those guys that just want to kind of, like, dip out of the grind. Because you're right, dude. Like, and I mean, even for me, right? So, like, I'll do jiu-jitsu and I try and train, like, most days. And... For me yeah. to like be here and be like on and focused and like in my head in the game while we're doing these shows, like it's a long time. It's a like it's 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 not easy to like stay in this, you know. And then to like drink a bunch of water so that I can go and sweat my nuts out at training, and then like eat enough food to be good, and then like get enough sleep, like get eight hours of sleep and have it to be get back to good it. sleep. Yeah you know and it's like i wear this like garmin thing and it's like you constantly see like your hrv like your heart rate variability and then that's like what a lot of the pro dudes are doing is like they're monitoring that heart rate variability to like stay in the middle of where like you should be that's like your body's indicator of like are you recovering are you healthy and it's like yeah dude just it's a, literally a mission to keep my heart rate variability and my sleep in the right spot and like i can like the other day i did it to myself like you can you can like bury yourself like i i flew i went to i flew i come home i worked i went and did a midday training and then we went to world games we got back super late and then all those factors combined i had a terrible night's sleep and then i didn't hydrate enough and i got up in the morning and i was like dude there's no way i can do a good podcast today like i'm fucking ruined and it's like that's one gnarly day and you think about what these supercross guys and motocross guys are doing like they're living like you feel like you're on a razor's edge when you're like really trying to get the most out of your body and it's like these guys that's their fucking life like their life is spent monday to thursday burying themselves 
then they got a Friday to travel. And if it's across the country, you're dealing with like a three-hour time difference. And then you've got a race. Think about like the performance anxiety, contracts. Like you said, maybe you're not making that much money. Maybe you're worried about, or like you've got a a niggling injury. You know you're not going to get a top 10. You know you're going to lose your ride. It's fucking gnarly, dude. And I think that... It's so gnarly, man. Yeah, and I think that with the uh, the way that this like World Supercross stuff is that like you can't ride through the week because you've got to like travel this you've got this international travel schedule so it's like you get in yep. on a monday then they got like press tuesday wednesday thursday and then you've got then you got like friday saturday where you're on the bike so it's like these yep. guys are only going to be able to just do like these sporadic little bits of training to like keep themselves going and i think that it's gonna it puts everyone in the same boat so now everyone's like building their program around doing this like gnarly off season, getting in shape. And then you just know yep. that once you're on the road for this series, you're just not going to be able to ride all the time and you're not going to be exposed to the same risk. And it's like Daniel Ricciardo yep. ain't in an F1 car seven days or four days a week and then racing on the weekend. Jack Miller's not on a MotoGP bike four days before the race and then racing on the weekend, you know, like it's a way more yeah, like think, normal uh, schedule. Yeah, I think it's cool that they're breaking it up because like a lot of the guys are like, oh, I'm not going to do World Supercross, but I'll do AMA. And it's like, okay, well, cool. You guys just weeded out some of the top guys. So now you've got privateers who are just putting in the most effort too that they can actually go out and make money. It's like uh, in MMA, you've got uh, Bellator and then you've got UFC. So I just think it's cool you split it up because the AMA doesn't care who's putting in the most effort there's 20 spots on the gate the main event and if you're not in it yeah. we don't really care ama is making their fails make their money and on to the next race sorry guys you know try harder that's like how it feels probably for for them for privateers and, and watching how many guys because the privateers are bad dudes too like i raced in Big road time. arena cross and i've ridden supercross tracks dude that stuff is so gnarly like you come out of a turn it's wet there's a lip and then you know 65 feet over there there's another like lip that's pretty sharp and it's a landing and then there's a berm it's like don't oj it and don't case it and it's a triple this stuff is seriously gnarly i can't believe that they continue building like you guys can't build some stuff it's like a little safe you see how many injuries there is but that's a whole nother subject but uh i think it's cool to weed it out because now hopefully a lot more guys get the opportunity to make more money and and they deserve it man like they put in so much effort compared to other sports everyone it's it's hard to be at the top of any sport like for sure but it just seems like moto guys are busting their asses so so much harder with so much risk and injuries and uh yeah it's a it's a lot man they definitely deserve to get paid a lot more and i think if they were to get paid a lot more people would tune in more to watch it put in a different category you know yeah man I, i completely agree like that's part of the appeal of like f1 and moto gp and golf like you said it's like you know these dudes are playing for millions of dollars and And that's what makes it fun to watch yeah a hundred percent man and and i watched this thing like uh, all ball sports it's 50 percent pro payback to ball sports so baseball soccer uh football it's all 50 percent of what i think the stadium makes or or, or something but it's 50 percent payback uh, UFC, that's where I looked it up because UFC was complaining about it was like 20% uh, was payback and the UFC fighters are getting concussions and injuries and it's like, okay, look how many concussions and injuries Moto dudes are getting and guess what their payback is? It's 8%. So it's like 
dude, that ain't even close. Mike Feld and these guys are making a killing. And uh, we looked it up, you know, like you can calculate it. Look how many seats are in the uh, Angel Stadium and look how many seats are filled. <clears throat> and then yeah. calculate that by an average of, of the seats, you know, the ticket sales. Uh, Feld makes the money off ticket sales. You know, they got to hire their flaggers and stuff and the TV. And I'm sure they have a pretty decent overhead, but the stadium makes money off the parking. And then, and it's not, it's a math equation. It's not that hard to look it up, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then the riders are getting what? $200,000 is the payback for uh, 40 spots at the main events. It's, dude, it's like 8%. It's nothing. It's insane. And people watch and it. And I think that's fee. why it's like, yeah, yeah, you got to pay to do it. And hopefully you're like having a good time. And for some dudes, like they're finding chicks or whatever after, because it seems like that's the only reason why they're doing it. A lot of these guys, it's like, you're going to pay money, go out there. You're not having a good time on the track, dude. You're sweating the whoops every lap. You know, if you're crashed, like you're, you're getting hurt and like getting landed on and cleaned out and in, in the first turn. And hopefully you look sweet afterwards and hopefully it's worth it. But I wouldn't personally like, that's what's so hard and that's why there's so much pressure on the 16 year old kids coming up it's like get a factory ride because at least everything's paid for and that's where a lot of the pressure and that's the make or break right there and that's what it was for me too it's like between the parents splitting and then how much money bikes cost 10 g's without even putting money into the bike yet for motor and suspension and bars and everything else uh it's like dude there's a lot of pressure on a kid to get the factory ride and i think that's why free riding is the sickest because you can you don't have to have a good tire you don't have to have race gas or a modded motor you could bend i rode for years with like bent bars i you know bent subframe back in the day dude i'd show up like my friends that worked at sunbelt rentals equipment company tig welded my subframe all crooked and i rode that for forever dude i looked like the most roach dude i didn't even have a front brake but you don't need that in free riding you know (laughs) you could go throw a big whip one footer get a dope angle and then you post it you're getting more views than a guy that just blitzed his gnarliest whoops and then uh and then you you just look a lot cooler anyways because you're just having a good time it's fun and you're not spending a lot you're not making a lot in free riding unless you have a good youtube channel or sponsors where you're doing freestyle shows it's like the only ways to make money without contests but you're not spending a lot of money either so it's like you know you don't have a lot of overhead like i'm riding the same tire i don't even put new tires on my bikes i like them when they're bald because they don't chew up the dirt lip you see guys like yeah got a fresh dunlop i'm going to the hills it's like dude you're gonna annihilate the takeoff that we just spent like three days patching yeah. and shoveling <laughs> How about don't bring your brand new tires to the hills? So it's like you don't really need to do a lot of maintenance to your bike. Ride a bald tire, you know, ride an old chain. Your chain snaps. Well, good thing you're hitting a big lofty step up with a grass landing. You could just bail. It's like you don't want your chain to snap, but I'm just saying it's not as crucial. Yeah, the risk. Uh, you know, pump 91 into it right out of the gas station and go have fun all day long. And that's probably the only money you spent was driving there and the gas in your bike, you know. Dude, and I think it's rad. Like, respect to you for having the combo. Like, obviously, you don't have any. Like, there's no risk of you fucking saying that these guys should be paid more. But like, I just don't even really remember a time in the sport where like this conversation was as prevalent in it to where it's like, because I really feel like this kind of heat is what has kind of like led to people getting paid more money or people like asking for more money. And to me, like, I remember this like pisses me off like i remember when roxon pulled up 
to the press conference in like 17 and he he pulled up in like a honda like the that super fucking expensive honda and he was wearing a suit and a brightling and people were shitting on him and i'm like shut the fuck up he should be rich (laughs) like why is it not okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, like, let him yeah, be rich, I don't care bro. to like, watch a be. dude. I don't care to watch a dude fucking lean over and tap a fucking golf ball and shit. But when you find out they're making millions of dollars, you're like, holy shit, that makes it kind of interesting. Now I'm going to yeah. figure out, like, what is he doing to make a million dollars? Why is this so cool? Um, me, I mean, yeah, because they're not getting injured. It's achievable. Like I said with BMX, you, you don't have to own a dirt bike and a dad with a truck to take you riding as a kid. You can just jump on your BMX bike and go jump was same with golf but uh yeah the racing it, i think uh it's gonna take something big like everybody to go on strike and be like hey feld we're not racing you need to pay us more you know like eight percent payback or whatever roughly it's like dude come on guys are you kidding me but if everybody's showing up every every event you know privateers are lining up and paying money it's like why should feld ever uh why should they ever pay you more? You guys are stacking the classes out to race. There's plenty of guys right there to fill the gates. So what do they give it? You know, they don't give a shit. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a moto head. I'm, I'm looking at all of it. I, I watch every race, all the practice. I'm way into it, dude. I watch all the podcasts. It's all I give a shit about that BMX. And then I watch street league skating action sports that I'm like an encyclopedia. I know about all of it. It's my favorite thing. So, but yeah, I think racing, man, if they're not paying these guys more money, if you hear they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars a night and stuff like that, it's like, okay, that's cool. Like McGregor, dude, the guy makes all that money fighting. Who's tuning in? Everybody's tuning in because they want to see this guy make 10 mil a night or Mayweather. So I think they'll actually benefit by paying the riders more. Um, you know, giving it that look, show yeah. up in a suit to the press conference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man, I completely agree. And there's a way to be rich without being a dickhead. And it's like it's cool, like it. You know what I mean? Like the narrative. I think it's like people look down on people that make a bunch of money in moto for some reason. Like there's a weird kind of like connotation around it. And I mean, that just seems. That's, I don't know, it seems like dude. I think it's just jealousy, should, dude. I think there's a lot yeah, of jealous fuck that moto off. riders out there. Yeah, it's like, dude, yeah, quit hating, That just can't be here. No, it's sweet. When Bubba's world went off and he was doing all kinds of cool shit, he had a, what, a Ferrari or something, I forget, maybe a Lambo or whatever, 
he was killing the uh, highest paid rider at the time. Like that did so much for the sport. It's like guys should be making more money and doing cooler stuff with their money. And, um, you know, it shouldn't be just a couple guys making all the money. I think privateers. And I think that's sweet with world. Super. It's like, okay, if you don't want to ride your bike as much, you don't have to do world supercross, dude. Just don't do it. Yeah. Give the guys who can do it. Um, you know, like it was cool watching the last one. Hill got third, right? In one of the races, I was watching those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's cool. You just see like a different crowd, you know. And uh, and I, I wish they raced three times a week if they could do that. Because Golden State Warriors play three times a week. You know, I'm watching yeah. Steph Curry. Like when I'm laid up injured and I got nothing to do, I'm watching NBA. It's like, oh, what they're playing again, again and again. And I'm like, okay, I got to watch the same Supercross race. Like I can watch it once or twice through, but then I get bored. It's like, I wish they raced every other day too, you know? So I don't know. It'd be yeah, sweet yeah. to see that, man. Yeah. And, and you actually, I hadn't really thought about that. Like if you like that whole Bubba thing and like when he was making a bunch of money and you just get like an average punter would be like, wait, he makes how much just like riding a bike? Yeah. Because I think from the, from the outside, yeah, people just would not have the same level of like respect for the sport on a general on the general but as soon as you like if i said to one of my friends that like wasn't motor like yeah he makes fucking nine million dollars a year then people would be like wait what he makes that much money for riding a dirt bike (laughs) like that actually is pretty cool like and in our sport no one even wants to say how much money they make and like i did the press conference thing the other day with uh with kenny and that i just said i was like i think you need to ask these dudes for like two million dollars and it's yeah. like, dude, he should. And then we should celebrate that. We should be like, Kenny's making fucking $3 million this year. Like, that's super <laughs> yeah, dope. Dude, and then people be. on like, the outside. Yeah, and that's like, uh, you know, Tiger Woods makes like $145 million a year or something one of the years. It's like the highest paid or whatever. It's like, dude, I want to see what the hell is going on with that. Like, I don't know about golf. Yeah. I don't I have no clue, dude. I, I seriously, it's like the opposite of what I'm attracted to, which is gnarly, fast crazy out of control stuff uh and fun stuff golf just looks so boring given it is it is fun if you go out with your boys and stuff but the professional part of it i don't care to watch it but you find out guys are making that much money and you're like dude yeah i gotta see what they're doing to make that much money like why yeah. but yeah if you heard a super okay tune into supercross and you don't know anything about it you turn it on you're like this looks cool i see energy drink sponsors it looks prestigious it looks professional how much are they making and then you're like, uh, I think they make 10 grand for first place in a main event. It's like, well, that guy looks like he's about to totally just break himself in half doing all the stuff. It looks so dangerous. They highlight all the crashes and it just looks like a carnival event from an outsider looking in that doesn't know how gnarly it is. It's like, you see the crash reels. These guys are making what? Okay. But then yeah, add the bonuses, but we don't even know what their bonuses are. We don't even know what the energy drink sponsors are paying or what the teams pay. It's all hidden. So it's like, as yeah, far as yeah. I know, I go on my phone and Google it, um, you know, supercross payout, 10 grand for first five for second. It's like, dude, how much money and a bike's 10 grand and you haven't even put any parts on it yet. It's just back in the day, bikes were so cheap. You could pull up to Anaheim in a pickup truck, sign up, have a fast lap. And it's like, okay, you're not making, I think they're making the same amount of money they made back then. You pull up, you're, you know, you're not making a lot, but you didn't spend a lot. So it's like, yeah, that looks fun. You know, I'm going to go get a bike, try it out, go out in the hills. So anyway, something needs to happen with that. But yeah, I'm, I'm just blessed to be in the free riding spot where I get to do that every day, you know? 
Yeah, Colby Raha spitting facts about Supi. I fucking love it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Dude, that's all I do, man. It's moto. Uh, so, uh, well, we'll go back to the, the movie a little bit. Um, there, dude, Scranny, like Hill, so Hill told me like ages ago, like in one of his first podcasts, he's like, there's this dude, Scranny, and like, wait till you see the shit that he's doing. Like, there are some people out there, and Broski as well, like, there's some people out there that I think when they watch Narnia, they're gonna be like, holy shit, I never knew that was going down on dirt bikes. Yeah, and that's like what uh that's what's cool is like I mean I've known Scranny for like seven years or something and I uh, met him out at the Swamp Pound for like a fest series thing with all the big mountain bikers. Anyways, I, yeah, even yeah. back then I he had so much talent doing handstands on bikes, juggling, standing on a seat, just like crazy stuff. Like riding a dirt bike, standing on the seat, throwing frisbees. And uh and he always talked to you, oh, I got these spots, man. I'm going to jump from this building to this building. I'm going to jump on this sign. Or, or he wouldn't even, like, a lot of the times he'd be like, hey, if you want for real moto, dude, I will show you this spot. It's insane. And he always would offer. And I just never really made my way out to go do them or whatever. I was busy at other spots or something. But, um, but then for him to step up and actually pull the trigger on doing all those jumps and all those gnarly stunts and then build a part in this movie, I think it's... Look, I mean, how many times have we brought his name up already? I think whoever doesn't know Scranny after they watch the movie, the guy's going to be like known for sure. He's his part's insane. He's got creative stuff, risky stuff. He's breaking like you know laws and stuff, but not really putting. That's that's like you're breaking a law, but you're not putting anybody in danger. So nobody press charges. But he's jumping off roofs. He's going off, and then he's doing huge road gaps. So he's also going massive. So. Uh, the guy really like I didn't know he had all that I knew he could do a lot of that stuff but to see him pull it off and then build such an epic part uh, is just insane man I'm just happy for him and I'm stoked that he was able to do all that and let us use that for our movie and and do you know where he's at in like his recovery because he took that fucking huge digger man like he really got messed up yeah he was just at the premiere last week and uh He's got full movement and stuff. I mean, it's it's a long road, and I'm devastated for him, man, because he pulled the road gap off a few times clean, and he did his trick and stuff, and then you kind of just want more out of it, and he did it again, and I don't even know what happened either. You have to watch the movie with the crash, but, yeah, it's just terrible injury. He's such a beast, man. The guy's so tough, and um, he's coming back from it. I mean, he's he's getting there. Everybody make sure to go check out Scranny on Instagram. Uh, he'll be tagged in my stuff or his handle is at should be at yeah, S-K-R-A-N-Y yeah you gotta check him out stay stay tuned on what uh, his recovery cause once you see the movie you're gonna wanna know what he's up to it's it's Scranny235 so S-K-R-A-N-Y-235 and yeah he posts about it he's got his some of his stuff right there photos and screenshots of some of his stunts but yeah his part is definitely one of the favorites in the movie by everybody he got some of the loudest reactions in the crowd during the premieres as he should you know that stuff's insane and yeah happy for him man that's a really cool part yeah and it's so unique like it's like he when you watch that part with scranny it's almost like he's never watched another dirt bike video before 
and he know it's yeah. like it's like he almost never knew how things should be done yeah and he just he's did. doing stuff that's it's way like way different it's like a mix between jackass and or like cky and then like a like a, a skate movie part like a pretty sweet or like a um like a you know how they've got like the little intermission or King like the, the little cutaway scenes you know what i mean yeah and he's got like yep. the he's a character and then he just throws down at the same time it's yeah, one of the most unique cool. dirt bike things i've ever seen yeah he's got like the creative stuff that off the wall stuff that you're you're like what is that you know you gotta you gotta see the movie i don't want to give too much of it away but uh and then he also throws down like hammers like big gnarly stuff to show that he can actually go big and like have style and and do big gnarly stuff too so just all around just an awesome part and that's what's that's what i'm so stoked on the movie is it's not all about me it's it's given guys yeah. like some of my friends like Scranny and, and Broski um, their own segment, you know? It's like an old skate video or uh, BMX team where each rider has his own part, and you'll remember that part, you know? And uh, and also, I was told to make sure to shout out, we're doing a... Uh, we already filmed it, and so when the movie comes out, it's going to be Powerband Films. It's a podcast with uh, Verb Moto puts it on with Wes, and uh and we go into detail about a lot of stuff on the movie because it, it was two years of filming with like six main characters you know it's not just all about me and, and there's stories to every single one of these things with cops and crashes and recoveries and flips and records and uh building these jumps and uh like we built the distance jump and it was in the team that built it for us they put it in the wrong spot and we had it permitted so it had to be moved and it's just insane but a lot of that stuff will go into more detail on that uh, we already filmed it it's like i don't know how long each episode is but we bring in hill sack um scranny will probably be on there we're gonna film with him so but yeah that's gonna be a whole separate thing too and uh that that movie man what a crazy event dude that's uh it was cool to pull it off at the end, but man, that was no like walk in the park for that movie, man. You'll see like in it, just the amount of things that went wrong and, uh, and then just all the cool stuff too. It was cool. Yeah. Big mission. To pull something. Yeah. To pull something like that together has just got to be insane. And especially I just like, how did you go to get the funding for it as well? Because I just feel like that's probably one of the gnarliest challenges as well is just it's such a underfunded industry i guess like free ride in a sense so yeah. for you to pull that like the yeah. funding together like how did it come up uh, how did it come about yeah so it was really uh it was hard to pull funding in because it's a movie you know and it's kind of like a risk and it's kind of a handshake deal almost with obviously there's contracts but you're kind of like hey this movie's gonna be huge it's gonna be cool and we have to build this jump to pull it off and this jump's gonna cost 250 grand to build and me and jay we really uh we had to kind of front a lot of the money to pull it but we were so just grateful to have companies um deville is this uh vodka soda drink and they came in and basically saved us at the end of the movie because we had to move that jump and without uh deville coming in at the very end to help us that whole thing probably might not have happened because uh, I was pretty much tapped out myself on funding stuff and I know Jay was pretty f over having to self-fund a lot of stuff to make the movie happen 
Um, and then we just have our whole lineup with uh, Carson City Motorsports. They're out there by the jump. It's in Reno. So Carson City Motorsports helped out a lot. Uh, and then Margin RVs and uh, Go Big Truck Performance. And if you look at the banner on my page, and you'll see throughout the whole movie, I mean, my brand helped out. And, yeah, it was it was a lot, man. It, it cost a ton of money. And finally, the movie's completed, and we should be able to see some money come back. Uh, we're doing our own public premieres. So we're going to do one in L.A., one in San Diego, one in Las Vegas, uh, Reno, Nevada, up by Carson City and uh maybe a portland and i heard we're definitely doing a scottsdale arizona one so and these will be like be fun better. with like live bands and uh you know jump shows bmx 110 stuff parking lot parties and after parties and just a fun event and you know i'd love for everybody to come out watch the movie and have fun you know and kind of do like an old school type premiere where uh everybody can get crazy and celebrate yeah, I think that's probably one of the cool things about doing a movie is just, yeah, we, you you definitely, as much as I love the internet, as much as I love YouTube, like it's kind of where we're at, but just to have that old school feeling, like there is something super tangible about making a full length movie, having the premiere, yeah. like having this hard copy that, you know, that's, I don't know, it just feels like that it's something that becomes like more of a real world thing than like just on a screen yeah yeah and that's the trade-off with it and uh it was definitely difficult because for scranny and guys like that and uh it's just hard because they're doing some of the biggest stuff they've done in their whole lives and to keep it secret and not post it is uh it's a whole thing and we had issues we'd go out to spots and we'd spend 20 grand just on a like it was equipment renting the property getting the helicopter lined up um, getting Beverly Hills Aerials is a huge sponsor. Those guys are insane. Best drone FPV guys flying around with like 1,000 frame a second uh, drones. I mean, we put all this together and we hire five red operator, camera operators. And everybody's out there. We get the water truck. We're in like 20, 25,000 bucks or something on, on the shoot. We get Beerman to come out, Jared McNeil, Hillsack, um, you know, uh, Adam Jones and all that you'll see all the writers in there and it's like we pull all this off to get everybody together and uh you know and then nobody posts don't post anything you know and we'll have yeah, writers yeah, yeah. show up friends of friends or whatever and then it's like you guys realize that i just dropped like twelve thousand five hundred bucks on this shoot and so did jay 50 50 on that and you guys are not our boys our boys know the difference but i'm talking about like some of the randoms that would come out or just spectators yeah. that were happen to be friends of the tr of the truck drivers or whatever and it's like they're posting stuff without asking and we don't have service we're out in the middle of nowhere you know free riding out like some big hills outside of santa barbara and then the clips go on the internet and they start getting viral and reposted it's just it's a battle nowadays you know what i mean to make a movie and i'm like i want to post some of the stuff i did too you know but you gotta yeah. wait and uh, all the writers collectively all had to wait and uh yeah it's a whole task man but it's just a dream come true to make a movie and I kind of didn't know what to expect. I wanted to make kind of a lower end, like crusty demons, funny punk rock, like get music right, still do iTunes deal, but just make something kind of like a modern day crusties and working with Jay, he really stepped up and he has such a high standard and such a yeah. creative, uh, mind for making a movie, not just like 
uh, kind of a YouTube style project, but more of like a, this movie qualifies for Netflix, Hulu, and it has that feel like you're watching in like a HBO or like a, uh, gold rush on discovery channel feel when we're going for the jump and just, it's just such a high end project. I had no idea what I was getting myself into in the beginning. I figured, Hey, let's invite some cool writers, get some cool cameras, you know, maybe get a chopper or whatever, rent it and make a cool movie and get music rights and put it on iTunes. But it turned out to be like, you know, we need the biggest hard drives, the best computers to process it. We need a Titleist guy, uh, motion effects uh john de temple at dink uh dink about it i think his instagram is he that dude's the best he made all of our titles all of our motion graphics we're just hiring so many people and so many people are actually helping us out to do it too that's where we yeah. we scored with all jay's connections and these filmers doing deals for us and everybody's giving us deals and it still is like with even without our sponsors i'm you know we're still put in like close to a hundred thousand bucks each just funding everything and and i'm sure we'll get it all back and that's a gamble in itself too you know but uh but i think it also kind of just launched what could be a career in long distance jumping for me and i think if you watch towards the end of the movie you'll see what we were able to pull off with the team uh alex harville's ramp and his coaches and ryan capes's coaches and that's all connections i met through jay and all his guys and uh and just the radar guns with the right speed and the right numbers and the right ramp, and we got the landing figured out. And you'll see it's uh, it's a whole process, but I think all in all, it's just one of those things. You know, you go for it, you gamble, and, and see what happens with the movie. And uh, and I think when it comes out, a lot of people are going to see a lot of cool stuff and and uh, a lot of different like urban style riding stuff that you're not used to seeing not like everyday free riding that in the dirt and dunes and that but it's got all that but it also has like illegal kind of like street uh skateboard bmx style stuff jumping off roofs and and uh and i think it's definitely like a you know progresses it's showing like modern day progression of what free riding can become and what's happening with it and where it's going and uh yeah i'm just happy i can't even believe it's my movie and it's all come together and man i'm just glad it's behind me now and i can't wait to get started on the next project you know going bigger and jumping bigger stuff and yeah dude the the soundtrack is impressive too like i didn't know what to expect in the the soundtrack uh in the like in that kind of deal because nowadays it's so hard to get like that level of music then it's like Offspring, yeah. Avenged Sevenfold. I was like, God no damn, effects. the boys ain't playing. Uh, Slayer, um, we yeah. got TSOL, uh, yeah, Avenged Sevenfold, some 41s in there, uh, a lot of big songs. So our soundtrack is insane too. Like, like I said, I can't believe we pulled it off uh, with Jay's help and my kind of style and some of my creative mixed with his professional creative on stuff and it's just a good mix me and him working together and you know it's uh it shows you'll see how how does the the that music stuff work these days like to license that like do you know how much you guys would have spent on the the soundtrack oh yeah yeah music man i think it's up to like fifty thousand or something in music which is a steal and it's a lot of relationship stuff like if you were to reach out to slayer and you're like hey i want your biggest song 
and then they'd be like, okay, what's this for? Uh, okay, 20 grand. But, um, you know, Kerry King and, you know, we know people that know him and with kind of like Jay's been in this game for 20 years, I think, maybe 30, I forget, but on the Pipe Series and Moto Triple X before that, he was helping a lot with that. That's all connections through punk rock and bands, no other bands. So with having those types of relationships through Jay and, um, you know, I've gotten hooked up from Suicidal with help from Militia and Link Ogle and stuff and uh, for Real Moto. But uh, it all kind of just, it's like favors, you know, for, for the movie. Yeah. A lot of people helped out. Filmers are giving us their homie rates and and just a ton of ton of people i mean if you look at the credits you'll have to actually like check them out because those are the people that really helped us out a lot you know yeah what was the first album that got you like into music i remember like so like i was saying when i'm four years old watching steel roots you know um i'd pop that in because vcrs back then you wanted to watch movies because it was better than what was on cable you know so yeah steel roots too I watched that thing all the time. So Offspring. So my dad had an Offspring CD, and he always had huge subs in his truck hooked up and stuff. So we'd, you know, blast that. And uh, Megadeth was one that stands out to me, Symphony of Destruction. That one, man, I still, like, I can play that so loud in my van, and it brings me right back to when I was a kid. Um, and, I mean, what else? I think my dad used to blast Limp Bizkit back when I was, like, eight seven years old dude, and he tried so to turn dumb. it down before the cuss words but like he yeah. missed it or whatever and i'd be like dude this guy a uh, chocolate starfish you know that was like that album my dad would blast that and uh and when we'd go riding too so we'd go he'd put on like uh i mean later on it was like system of the down and stuff and we'd blast that go into the track and then coming home uh, you know, we like mega death and it just as loud as it could go. And it was so much fun, man. It felt like, uh, felt like we were like in steel roots too, you know, listening to the same yeah. songs. I'm like, that's when McGrath does that knack knack and Akatia when they say that part of the yeah. song and, and you know, so yeah, that's kind of like, Dude. just from those yeah, we, movies. Yeah. We were talking about it the other day, like we were driving back and I was like asking the, the boys at work here. I was like, oh, what was like the, the shit that got you into music? Because like, I feel like there's a point where you like listen to music, but you're not really into music. And then there's like one album or one song that where you're like, holy fuck, like I get it. <laughs> I get why people like music. And uh, yeah. yeah, dude, that's funny that you, that's funny you said that about Chocolate Starfish. I got suspended for school for having that and like playing that song in school in a Walkman. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that crazy back then? I don't know. I feel like back then music was like, like you hear a song and he's talking about all kinds of crazy shit. And it was, I remember listening to like some of the old Blink-182 stuff when I was like seven, because my brother's five years older than me. So he uh, yeah, okay. he always had the new stuff. And I was young. I, yeah. He's 12 and I'm seven. So uh, all the cuss words and stuff. And nowadays, man, you put on anything and it's just like, they're talking about like pills and Xanax this and that and drugs. And I'm like, the kids know the words. I'm like, shit, dude, shit's getting out of line here. But, uh, I don't know, whatever. I mean, we, we went there like when biscuits, hilarious, man, that shit cracks me up. Dude. Yeah. I remember too, like the chronic 2001 was like the dopest <laughs> album to me. And 
I was like, everyone around me smoked weed, like when I was a kid, and uh, like all my friends and everything like that. But we were like super anti anti anything, like just the way that we grew up. That I would just blast yeah. weed music like constantly before I ever yeah. even smoked weed, and I think now like yeah. obviously like you grow up and then you know you like figure it out. But like just loving like weed music essentially as like a fucking ten yeah. and eleven year old. Like I think back now, like it's fucking crazy. And it's the same for like these guys, you know, like I was talking to Rones and he's like, Yeah, Juice World was like the album that like made me love music. And to me that fucking blows my mind. But it's like yeah, he's drinking he's talking about is. like lean pills, like they're just being yeah, fucked see, up like, like twenty four rappers I I haven't dug into new rap that much because, like, I'll put on one song and I'm like, yeah, this is all right, you know, but then I'm like, what is going on here with some of this stuff? And I don't know any of the, like, new rappers that much. Like, YG is, like, one of the only ones. And that's because you go to parties and chicks don't want to listen to fucking Slayer, you know, and make it down <laughs> shit. They want to <laughs> listen to, like, YG and uh, Drake and shit. And, like, Drake's a whole trip. Like, but, uh, and I'll listen to that stuff out there. I listen to, like, a lot of different stuff, but. I didn't really listen to rap growing up, you know? It's always, like, whatever the Moto, uh, like, movies had in them, you know? Like, Nitro yeah. would come out, and we'd get the albums where my brother was into rock and roll, and he had a rock band growing up and stuff and played shows. So I was always into, like, whatever the rock stuff was coming out. Like, uh, I don't know. It seemed like System of the Down and stuff. And now that stuff's kind of died out, and uh, it seems like there's more rap and... I don't know anymore. I just like listening to old school stuff, you know, like I'll put yeah. on Leonard Skinner and just have the best time driving to the hills or whatever and just crank some like old Creedence Crew Auto Survival or something. So, um, but yeah, I grew up on like a lot of Megadeth. It seemed like that was my dad's favorite band, I think. So yeah, action sports and music were just so intertwined. And I, I wonder, yeah. I mean, I'd love to actually get some of those bands on the podcast at some point and just to get their perspective on action sports because it really did feel like they both fueled each other. Like Moto yeah. needed a soundtrack and they, those guys needed an audience. Or they needed yeah. someone to listen to their songs. And it almost seemed like they both kind of fed off each other. And I wonder if they think yeah. that, if they look at action sports as like, they made our music, you know? Yeah, it's hard to say. I think maybe back when they were doing Vans Warp Tour and it was like freestyle shows yep. and music and then like Moto Triple X movies, they all had music uh, because a lot of the guys that made those DVDs those guys were in bands and stuff too. Like I know uh, Jordan Burns and Strung Out, and he, he had a lot of connections. And obviously, he's going on tour with these bands. So that's kind of how I think that all worked out with those old school movies and Dana Freeman and uh, or uh, John John Freeman and stuff. Uh, I think that they all had the like the friends, and that was all like it seemed like the same industry. It's weird, like what's happening now though. It's like punk rock and rock and roll. It seems like it's not where it used to be and I think maybe that's kind of what faded away maybe they don't feel like they needed action sports anymore but definitely like offspring I know those guys used to be like skaters and BMXers and stuff and like I think it all went with it, each other back then and nowadays I don't even know what's going on anymore so I'm trying to find like new punk rock bands that are killing it you know but it's just I think it's a money thing like people want to hear rap a lot more so they're paying people to be yeah. rappers you know so, yeah who knows yeah man? no it's, it's it's crazy yeah we did uh 
it sort of went to like so when i was in the states we used to go to warp tour like a lot like i pretty much went to warp tour every year and then we started working with like a couple of bands um and like we'd film them doing warp tour but it sort of it started going into like uh it was like different it was like a different style it was like you had one screamo dude and then you had one like real melodic like kind of singy sort of guy and it kind of yeah. just like went into like that new genre like pierce the veil sleeping with sirens like and they were like the kind of the the warp tour bands and then they'd still bring back like the old school guys like some 41 yellow card like yeah. there was always still the, those guys there but it seemed like that it just didn't really fit the action sports vibe because it went into like that real melodic sort of style yeah yeah like really emo and stuff so it's yeah i don't know i think it's just it's it's a business thing like, like whatever it was the emo bands were getting paid more or like people were watching them or they're getting music on the radio and so people just gravitated towards that i really don't like to listen to too much of the screamo stuff like i like the like when i go to a festival there seems like there's there's like a stage with uh all the new bands and like i'll go watch afi just because their old music was classic and they killed it live but i went to the stage and watched rob zombie and like suicidal yeah. tendencies i went to a, a huge festival in uh montreal after minneapolis one year and uh yeah i don't know it's i wish there was more heavy metal bands that kept it like old school and gnarly you know and i think there is a couple in my playlists and stuff but i'm still kind of just finding new stuff to listen to yeah, I'm, I'm always a big fan of, like, your Instagram when you'll play, like, yeah, like, Leonard Skinner and, like, Credence and shit like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, Colby Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put on, like, Rancid or uh, Transplants or whatever, you know, like, Rob Zombie. I just keep blasting Rob Zombie, like, whatever it is. Like, I don't know, it just gets me hyped. I like rap, too, old school rap. I like the, like, you know, like, the Chronic album and all that stuff and, uh, like that stuff's cool but yeah i don't know it just seems like i can turn up the rock so much louder and it's just like roots you know yeah. like leonard skinner yeah. so when i did that wheelie into the pool at that casino i had yeah. a, a shirt because i went to leonard skinner in ontario and i got a shirt uh and I told my friend, I go, hey, you're in the merch line. Go get me a shirt. And he comes back with a shirt. It says Leonard fucking Skinnerd. And I uh, <laughs> wore that that day on Reno. And uh, and it was the Cam Zinc Invitational. And they had this contest. Like, it was a King of the Road pamphlet. And it was like, you know, pierce your nipple, get 100 points. Jump over a, a homeless bum or whatever, get 1,000 points. Uh, whoever like French kisses the most chicks gets a thousand it was this whole pamphlet and like everyone's going off like who I forget they had all the best trick of the week gets this many points like oh best overall style of the week gets this many points so like uh, I didn't even really like look through the pamphlet but I was hanging out with Josh Hill and we're all doing wheelies in the parking lot and getting crazy and we're at the pool and um I was hanging out at the pool like the cabanas and I talked to student like hey you know how many Instagram dudes are here these guys have like big accounts man they're all influencers like action sports you should give us a free cabana and a bottle you know and he's just like really well I don't know about that and I'm like well dude they gave us all free rooms they comped us all rooms like they told us to film here they want their casino to be known so that's our job so man you should talk to your guy you know give us a cabana and we'll all post about it he's all, <laughs> all right so he gets us a cabana and I'm like he's all, all right bottles like six 600 bucks i'm like 
what, dude? That bottle's like 40 bucks, man. We're doing you a favor. Give me the bottle. I'll give you a tip. I gave him a couple hundred <laughs> bucks. He gave us a bottle. And so anyway, we're all hanging out. Just it, We weren't even really riding that day. It was just like the last day. And then uh, Josh Hill, we're like, oh, let's go. We're going to do wheelies around the parking lot. They're filming. Next thing you know, hey, I found this gap, dude. It's like a 12-star over handrail into the street, and then it links into like another seven stairs. So we're jumping on our 450s, riding through like the – like the like the where you park and the whole um, I don't know wherever you park like the main interest of the thing we're riding around people are yeah, looking at yeah. us like getting out of our way like what the hell are these guys doing and then I'm like I don't know what I just thought I'm like dude I'm gonna take this bike through the casino I'm going out to the pool and then uh, I know all the pool people like I just talked to the main dudes about giving us a free cabana you know and I gave him the whole talk about how we're doing promotion for this for this casino so I like ride into the casino I'm like revving my bike people are all yeah dude it's sick so I jump <laughs> on my bike I'm like riding down the hallways like go in the elevator I told this one dude I'm like dude just film everything right now here hold my phone sideways and just don't press stop just keep it going we get to the <laughs> pool everyone at the pool like the workers they're all what up man I'm like hey you know hanging out dude we're just doing photos and shit I'm gonna do a wheelie or something so I had to do wheelie or whatever, and then this lady, don't, what are you doing? Get that bike out of here, you know, you're, you're tripping, what are you doing? I'm like, no, 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 I already talked to the people, man, it's all good. And they're like, oh, you did? I'm like, yeah, dude, I told you, like, I talked to the main people, like, it's all good, they told me I could do this. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, chill. She's like, all right. I'm all, hey, dude, move all those, uh, move all those <laughs> chairs out of the way, dude. I'm going to start my, I'm going to rip into the pool, and they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, dude, like. It's going to be sick. Just move the shit out of the way. <laughs> and then I fire it up. Dude, like, I I was going to do, like, first gear, but I'm like, I want to put this thing in second and let it eat. <laughs> so I just <laughs> dropped the clutch, like, full on, dude. And, like, it, it hooked up so well, and I flew into the pool. We got the bike out, and, uh, and then the people at the casino, like, the cops and stuff, they're like what are you thinking, man? That bike's going to contaminate the pool. I'm like, you know what? It's not going to contaminate the pool, dude. Everything's sealed. This is not a carbureted bike. If it's going to leak gas, it'd leak out of the tank and it wouldn't leak. That pool's huge. I'm like, if there's any damage to my information, they're like, all right, all right we'll, we'll keep in contact. And then they had a huge pool party that night for like a uh, Labor Day weekend or something. So I'm like, you guys just let like thousands of people in your pool. It's a, it's, you know, it's uh, like, like if it's there was something anyway. wrong with the pool, you, yeah, like, but the, the pool wasn't ruined and, uh, I didn't put anybody in danger and, uh, yeah, everything was all good. So that was this whole story with that pool thing but okay back to Leonard Skinner so they were like the video got 15 million views on my phone you know like that video blew up just on my account 15 mil and I have a shirt that says Leonard fucking Skinner so the guys reached out to me and they're like hey you gotta come out to our next show man meet the band come back live stage dude like you're no killing shit. it whatever like rock. I'm all rock on hell yeah Skinner fucking I can't wait man I'll come hang out whatever putting like cheers beers emojis and shit and like so anyway, I'm like, yeah, Skinner's the shit, dude. I want to, um, that's why I've been listening to them more. I want to try to use some of their music in my projects and shit, you know? But dude, that's, that's, so, and uh, you, so you haven't been out to the show yet? No, I, well, I bought the shirt at the Ontario one. That was like right yeah, before yeah. I did that. And then they're on tour. They haven't been back to Cali yet. They're like on the East coast. I think they're like out of country and shit, but, uh, He's like, a whole lot of rocking left, man. Like, he's like, we're going to be back. I'm like, all right, hell yeah. Sick. <laughs> That's <laughs> seriously I went, so dope. I, 
yeah, I went live at their show. I went live for Freebird, and like all the kids watching my live story, are like, who are these old guys? Who, who is this? I'm like, dude, you don't know who fucking Leonard Skinner is, man. It, I don't know, dude. It's a trip. They should literally teach that shit in school. Yeah, dude, for sure. It's in all the movies, you know. It's like all the Adam Sandler, Forrest Gump, and all that shit. Dude, that's so good. That'd be fucking rad getting to actually go to the show and meet those guys. I bet they're still just the fucking biggest legends, too. They follow me, too. (laughs) I'm like tripping on it, dude. It's so sick. (laughs) But Um, yeah, I can't wait. Whenever they come back, I'm going. They only follow 211 people. Colby fucking Raha is one of them. You should do a merch shirt that says Colby fucking Raha. Yeah, I was thinking about something like that. I was was like, damn, dude, that shirt's my favorite shirt, too. And I left it in my friend's van, Jordan Brush from Washington, when uh, he helped me get my bike out of there. And then uh, he mailed it back to me. I don't even know where it is. I got to find it, man. But that shirt's sold out. So many people hit me up. Where can I get that shirt? You go online, it's sold out. I'm like, I went to the fucking show, man. I bought it there. My friend picked it out for me. I didn't even buy it. Dude, that's the biggest come up of all time. You like hit up your friend in a merch line, be like, just grab me something. And then it leads to that. Grab me any shirt. I'm all, you know what I like, man. Fucking just get me a Skinner shirt. I figured he'd get me something that said Leonard Skinner with like American flag, you know? And he comes back with a shirt and just says Leonard. And then it's the F word with like all the syllables and then Skinner. And then I put it on that day and I wheelied into that pool. It went viral. And then Skinner hits me up, follows me. They're like, man, you got to come out to our show. Meet the band. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. I just was at your show. So dude, that's like that. That's like the internet winning right there. Yeah. I posted it on my feed. I'm like, this is too good, man. Leonard Skinner <laughs> following me. Like I felt like that when Carmichael followed me, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, all throughout the big names. Like I was like, dude, screenshot send to my boys. Cooper Webb followed me and back when he was on the Yamaha and he was winning everything those couple years. My friend was like the biggest Cooper Webb fan and he named his dog Cooper and stuff. Uh, I screenshot it, sent it to him. I'm like, what's up, man? Cooper Webb's following me, dude. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But the skinhead one is just, that's the hot, that's like my biggest Instagram highlight right there. Yeah, yeah, that's like some legit shit. How has it been sketchy with like the police when you're doing like the stuff in the street, or is it pretty much like you're down to like kind of push the limits there as long as you're like not not damaging shit and not hurting anyone? Yeah, I try to keep it to where I'm not damaging anything or hurting anybody. Um, so that way it's like who's gonna really press charges at that point, but. I haven't really been stopped or jammed up by a cop yet. And uh, luckily for us motocrossers, cops are like motocrossers too most of the time. Or, you know, they're like yeah. pretty much fit the demographic of like they watch moto. A lot of them have like known who I was and stuff uh, when I get pulled over. But yeah, luckily I haven't been caught up too much. And I'm hoping I don't because uh, like when I jumped the train jump on my vlog, that was the one time that... uh. I was on a construction site and the security guard, he was hanging out and stuff. And he was like, he knew who I was, but he told me don't do it. But then he would like go get gas and I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go. I don't want to burn him out. But he, he made sure we weren't doing anything illegal or whatever. We're carving out this train jump. And then uh, it ended up the big boss of the, of the uh, construction site. He found out and he buried it. He like, 
took a tractor and just screwed it up and it was right before I was going to hit it too. Like yeah, pulled up to yeah. go do it and it was like, damn dude. So that's why I built a ramp and jumped this other spot pretty close to there. But then I posted the YouTube video. It blew up. Like it was getting so many views. It probably would have been at a million in like a week or something like some of the other ones. But the security guards like, Hey man, you got to take that down. They're going to press charges, trespassing. Like you're just shredding around their construction site. And that's a big, corporation and stuff they're gonna totally press charges i'm like oh dude like all right fine i'll take the video down so i took the video down i took that part out and put it back up but um now it doesn't even have close as many views or whatever but um that was the only thing so far that i've been hit up about you know so um just like i rode that abandoned water park and no one really cares i don't think there because it's abandoned but yeah it's it's kind of risky. Like I was jumping that highway the other day and, uh, all the cars passing by. I'm like, if one cop sees me jumping a highway, like all the money and the traction and like the, the momentum I got on my channel, I'm probably gonna have to pay for my bike to get out of impound. And it's just like, could be a total yeah. wall hit and like fail. So I'm trying not to get, uh, caught and I try to get in and get out. I wish it was legal. It'd be so much more fun to just hang out and jump highways with your boys. But yeah, you yeah. gotta kind of get in, unload the ramp, jump in, bail. Do you think that uh, oh, dude, so that that train jump was so gnarly. You went like one twenty to flat, bro. Like that was thirty six. Yeah, I was could like, be a couple feet nah. off, but I measured it was a hundred, like thirty six to where my tire landed from the lip. You know, and I mean, I'm using a tape measure, but yeah. It, I was stressing on that one because I built the ramp and I kind of tested it where I jumped to flat, but I was like fourth gear cruising um, and I landed pretty hard uh, on this like street or whatever I was practicing on. And then I'm like, hey, I went 100 foot or I think I went 80 foot. And I thought the train gap was 80 foot minimum, but it was 100 feet minimum. So like just the canyon was 100 and the run in was super janky, swerving out of bushes. And then I had to go 100 plus, but I hadn't really practiced for that. I just went 80. So I was like, all right, I kind of know how fast to go. And in two strokes, man, they're so weird compared to four strokes. Like I grew up riding a two stroke and eighties and stuff, but then a 450 has so much power. You could be half throttle going, you know, fourth gear and then hammer the gas and right off the lip, you can get so much power, but a two stroke, you come in so fast, there's nothing on the top. So like you're you're it's all momentum and you're coasting off the lip basically on a two-stroke so i came in so hot i was fifth gear i didn't want a case was my thing but there was a bush i had to land and swerve but uh, dude i landed so hard it made for a good clip but dude i like jacked up my arm so bad i landed it popped out and like i had to hold on to the grip and swerve the bush with a popped out shoulder and i think i might have tore some stuff it took a couple weeks to feel better but that was like that was some serious crusty demons shit right there. Yeah, yeah, dude. That was like a legit old school like that was not <laughs> that was just like there's not much in that, but just pure fucking sending it. Yeah. That was for like the channel, man. I'm like, I know this is gonna be sick. And then it ended up blowing up and I had to take it down anyways, so it was stupid. But the merch was was really good i printed the shirt out uh solid photo his instagram is matt collins he he took a photo of it um we picked this kind of his angle he made it into a stitched thing 
and uh and i sold shirts and it, it it went off dude we sold like hundreds of those shirts throughout that like first few days that the vlog was up so that that was worth it right there for the whole thing and just to have that content was cool and jay came out and got a really cool angle for the movie too so just a different perspective with his really good camera not such a home video look it was a you know a few birds with one stone for that yeah that's sick do you think that uh do you think that the whole e-bike thing is gonna help your cause with it and just not being like a motor and noise and and the whole deal yeah um i think yeah you think that's like the future of like that your kind of riding yeah i think it is because um i just think that like i'll show up to a skate park and i'll i'll push my bike in on neutral just like i'll just push it in or i'll kill it and push it in when it's not running and i try to like acknowledge the moms that are there with their four-year-olds or their five you know younger kids on scooters and i'll kind of let them know hey i'm gonna ride around for a second if you want to just watch your kid because if you go into a skate park with your bike running like they're just like what is this maniac doing that's a high wave or that's a motorcycle why is he riding around my kid the bike could take my kid's head off you know like if he whiskeys the bike so yeah i think with an electric bike noise is a lot like you show up to a skate park i mean i if you're at a motocross track or you're in the hills like dude ride a motor but if you're trying to do some of that street stuff that's illegal yeah i would say like showing up to a skate park or doing something in downtown la there's just no motor so it's like it looks like a mountain bike with dirt bike plastics i think you can get away with a lot more i've never really ridden one i've seen a lot of josh hill stuff and scranny stuff but uh, I wouldn't mind trying one out. I'm hoping Husky, Husqvarna makes uh, electric bikes. I think they're a few years out on that, though. They're making the kids' ones now. I think they're going to start doing 60s and 80s and work their way up, they were telling me. But for now, I'm just starting up the old two-stroke, the loudest bike they got, and just hit huck and stuff <laughs> in the streets on that. I'd, I just try to tell everybody before I do it, like, hey, I'm going to jump over this or jump down that and and then uh i think with like the rock star energy helmet and the get up maybe i look i'm just guessing but it seems like a lot of people would rather watch than yeah yeah like the last few stunts the whole neighborhood showed up to watch the train jump like one person saw me came over met me they're gonna jump the train man oh dude that's so cool and next thing you know there's like 30 neighbors they're all drinking waiting for a train we waited for like five hours and uh same with like highway stuff like i jumped that over that one highway the other day not the one where I did it in a like an orange construction tee or whatever, but the one where I just gapped the canyon and like so many people that saw the ramp, they just pull over with their car and they're just like waiting. They're like, hey man, are you gonna jump it? Like people, I'm like, you gonna call the cops? Like that's what I'm thinking because they pull over and they look at me and I'm like, this guy's pissed and he's like, you gonna jump it, man? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, that'd be sweet. I'm like, okay, you want to watch? Got it. Like, I'm like, I don't think. Uh, just like I'm not gonna jump it, man. They're like. Like, they want to see it. I thought they were pissed, you know? And then once they do it, people are honking. They're all stoked. It's almost like they're like a stunt, you know? People are, like, stoked. I, I thought people would be more mad, but every time I do a stunt now or whatever, it's like people are more stoked to watch it than people caring, like, or they want to call the cops, it seems like. So that's been it's been cool. Yeah, because I think that's what Hill pretty much said about, the like, the Altas, is that people just seem, like, more interested than pissed off i think it's just the noise that it's just like i guess frightens people away in a sense you know yeah i kind of know how to like 
keep the bike like uh like even on a four stroke or whatever or a two stroke i just keep the rpms really low when i'm doing stuff people are like oh your bike doesn't sound that great like on my two stroke it's like no dude i'm just not revving the shit out of it because i'm in a city with houses and cars and dogs and people you know like i'm keeping it low rpm i'm hitting something a little higher gear especially four strokes like i'll keep it in third gear and just putt around and then when i need to do it i'll hit it but i'm not just like run 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 i'm gonna hit this run run, run, run." it's like dude what is going on i keep it sounds like a lawnmower you know when i'm doing it it's like so quiet i try to make it not noticeable or not like you rev your 450 in a city and it's like what is that like oh your dog's barking or whatever people like what is going on they're so loud so i try to keep it mellow you know yeah i think that that's so sick it's pretty cool like watching and seeing on the film just like the level of riding that you kind of bring into the like the street but especially like the rivers like you guys have like those riverbeds and um like the, we don't have that in australia like those big concrete kind of riverbeds and like there's some yeah. crazy shit that you, you can do in those things too yeah yeah i never like seen i know like trigger gum and uh r.i.p trigger gum but uh like nathan fletcher christian fletcher and um those guys like link ogle and stuff back in the day they used to go and do all kinds of shit like that you know they wouldn't film it or whatever they'd go mob around just like no helmet or whatever they'd put a helmet on just go rip but uh but i've really seen too much of that stuff going on and then i was really trying to win real moto and i looked all over and found a couple cool ones and uh seems like it's like becoming like a spot now i've never been busted riding a drain i don't think people care you know i see cars down there doing burnouts sometimes and people doing photo shoots i don't think it's like a high profile area for cops um to go to or whatever but i was bringing in ramps and setting up i did like a whole line jumped over the water over tabletop over the water hit a berm like jumped over built like a whole line of jumps in there and we're there for like an hour doing that stuff and uh and no nobody and then same thing people stopped to watch you know like people were like riding the road bikes and, and old grandpas on walks and they're just stopping yeah. and watching and kids are freaking out and people are yelling out their windows watching so as long as you're not like being an asshole and like disrespectful and breaking stuff and uh if you're not being too loud i think i think people actually want to watch it and like think it's cool yeah 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 no it's and it just gives like a totally different perspective and almost makes it feel like there's because you kind of always get a feeling that oh they've done everything there's like everything you know there's no more room for to grow but there actually seems like there's a whole lot of shit out there and and then i think definitely once (laughs) you add in the like the electric bikes and but even like i was saying before the way that you can kind of like flow through a skate park it's like there's still does seem like there's a lot of room to go no, I think there's a ton of stuff left to do. And um, I think there always will be new stuff to do, you know? And that's like what I came across with the real moto thing. It's like you hear about people building huge dirt jumps and spending money to build all these dirt features. And I'm like, well, I seen like a pretty cool feature over there. I could jump off that bridge. And yeah, it's illegal and stuff, but it's happening more and more now. Where I think like, I don't know, maybe it isn't as, as illegal as we think, you know, or something because... I start seeing more and more people doing stuff like that, but um, I was able to win two real motos, and I think because I was doing that kind of stuff, like wall riding buildings and 
jumping into drains or gapping over canals and stuff. And uh, I think that's what kind of gave me the creative edge on the others. And I made sure to put in there like natural train backflips and big 200 foot turn ups and the, and the big stuff too. So I had that element, but, but yeah, I think that, uh, there's always going to be new stuff. I've got a whole list full of new stuff to go do for the next, you know, few months for my channel and just, you know, whatever it is. So yeah, I've got plenty, uh, spots and then I can go back and try tricks on them. And I think once electric bikes start coming, um, becoming a thing, I think that you'll be able to get away with more of it. And then you could be like yeah. rolled to a skate park on an electric bike. And maybe, uh, as long as you're not a dick or like, you know, you're not putting people's kids in harm's way. I think a lot of people will be okay with you riding them. And I think you, like, you definitely don't need to be hitting copings and like chunking out concrete and breaking up the park. Cause that's just disrespect to skaters. They don't want to see that at all. So just try yeah. to keep it clean and not damage the park. And I think there's no reason why it couldn't become like a big thing. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I agree. So with, with the whole Husky thing, like how did it come to be that you became a factory rider for Husky for free riding? Yeah, so uh, my manager uh, at the time, he had a connection over there and he kind of threw it out there and uh, I think like a couple bike brands were interested at the time and we went and had a meeting with Husqvarna and uh what it was is they told me in freestyle over the years it didn't really relate to sales because if you watch Josh Sheehan do a triple backflip they're not saying wow that Honda did a triple backflip they're saying wow Josh Sheehan's amazing he did a triple backflip they didn't really care what yeah, bike yeah. it was on so like freestyle and then you know the crashes and the crusties and all the chaos and stuff in the videos i just don't think it related to sales where uh the quarter pipe thing i was telling them hey like whether you guys give me a deal or not i'm interested in buying a ktm or husqvarna same thing because the bike's lighter and it comes with a billet head a crank or whatever in the motor and you're able to bore it out and um not do too much actual work to it i think uh, just polishing and porting actually you don't have to bore it to where you can get enough horsepower to have like a, i built a 490 motor for world games and uh on the dyno it didn't really read as much as like what i could have gotten out of a ktm husky with port polish yeah. and a cam or ignition or whatever so uh, the work I was able to do to one of those bikes and the weight thing being like 10 pounds lighter starting out without even doing modifications, I was interested in that. And since I told them my idea with that bike, they were like, wow, that's, uh, you know, we're interested in it. Like I think you're getting a lot of views on all your platforms and your free riding isn't just backflips and stuff. It's actually like hitting rutted dirt jumps and, um, and you're, and, and you're doing quarter pipe high air, which does kind of relate to power and uh and so they were like let's try it out and the relationship's been great with those guys Heinz over there has been awesome Tammy Wiegand was working there um he's at KTM now and then my mechanic Andrew Bauer and those guys have just been awesome like very supportive of everything I'm doing and uh they love whatever I'm doing on my channel with like all the stunts and uh and then quarter pipe they stepped up they gave me all the factory parts tie everything like I didn't even know they had all the parts they had uh for those bikes That's and I so was on a sick. full like the lightest bike probably I mean there's no way you, 
all the stuff I had that Andrew brought to the table that they approved for me. My bike was insane. It's on the showroom floor at Husky right now, up on the pedestal in their lobby. Uh, it's sick. It's got Osborne's championship bike, uh, Behringer's off-road bike, and I think a couple other bikes. Uh, and then mine right there and it's all gray with gold and it's it's so sick but the relationship's been really cool and I think I was able to pull off kind of what I had gone in there to do which was build a bike for quarter and uh, go win medals you know that was my third gold in quarter pipe and I got a couple in real moto too so yeah I guess it's working out you know maybe it's is relating to sales and I hear people say they bought Huskies because of me and stuff. So I don't know. I don't know how many people are doing that, but I'm happy with the bike. I like the way it's built. It's easy to work on and it's light and it works for what I'm doing. So yeah, it's been really cool over there. Yeah, man. Dude, you're hundred percent selling Huskies, like 100%. You know, <laughs> there's so many people that are, especially in like the YouTube game too, you know, like, I mean, I know, I think I got like 40 plus messages last year of people saying they bought a 350 because like that's what I always talk about. I'm like, if you don't race for a living, then you really just should be riding a 350. Like it's the most, if you're a weekend warrior like me, that's the most fun bike. It was like over 40 people messaged me, you know? So like there is a, I think that there's something, especially when it's like there's, you're in like the YouTube, like internet world and you're applying to DMs and you're actually like connecting to people like that is when yep. you do convert sales. So man, for sure. There's, and the, how many kids would have asked their dad to buy a, like a Husky because of like following your channel heavy? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell, but it must be working because they're stepping up and just giving me more and more support and I'm um, doing better and better. And I've noticed like not to sound like, uh, I'm not trying to like be that guy to sell bikes, but I've ridden Japanese bikes, Cowies and, uh, hondas and suzuki's my whole life and then i rode cowies the last like six years but it seems like the quality of the husqvarna lasts longer i remember getting a free bike it was a factory edition and i took it straight to the dunes and i hammered on that thing dude i put like 70 hours on it so quick just holding it wide open at dana creeches and area 52 up north and and i'm like dude i did like one or two oil changes but it, it didn't it didn't feel clapped out or stretched or like you know, like a Cowie, I felt like after you ride it for like 80 hours, you're like, dude, this thing handles, it's just something that like it stretches or, or it, I don't know, it starts vibrating and bolts start stripping and falling out. Anyways, I'm happy with the bikes, So I hope they uh, continue to support me and I can keep riding those bikes, you know? And, and I feel like Corda is probably a pretty gnarly discipline for uh like needing of like a really solid bike like you said it's only eight seconds but it's pretty critical eight seconds yeah yeah it's just like a burst of uh focus and and that's always relating to the racers i don't i only have to do eight seconds worth but over and over but those guys are gnarly for 30 minutes plus two but um it is very very gnarly like if you land flat or come up short or like the last run that i did at Slayground when i went 49 feet and uh i went for all the marbles i was like down i I was three feet beneath axle and uh and i was like okay here's the last run and i went in so fast and i held it wide and i uh i hit the the lips so hard and i I thought I was crashing on the way up because my foot, like I, 
I felt like I was looping out. I got like that buckle feel off the lip. Yeah. And I did that before in Minneapolis and I grenaded that clip still circles around like, but, uh, I crashed so hard on that one, but this one, I felt the same way in the air, but I was able to like do a BMX kind of turn my bars Euro and like lean the bike back. And I came in a little crooked and stomped it. But I mean, we were testing suspension and, uh, different gearings, um, different tire pressures it all like has something to do with how well the bike tracks off the takeoff. And luckily we did a lot of that because before I used to try to go that high and I, I'd wadded. So yeah, we got it pretty tuned in and we'll see, dude, last year we went, last year I went 40 foot and that was a record. And, uh, the other guys were like four feet lower than me the whole time. And then the, this year, think like the first run was like 43 feet like so this year everyone's going so much higher last year I had more in the tank I did 40 foot and broke the record my second uh air of the event and then no one even got close so I didn't want to break spokes or pull out my bike for no reason I kind of waited to see if anyone went higher no one did um and I was like man I trained hard for this and I had more left in the tank and everyone's like you think so I'm like yeah dude like I know for sure I did and then this year you could tell Hodges was practicing a lot and getting ready. And maybe they had the height meter set up for him a few days earlier than the event testing it. Cause he was going huge. Like I think he trained for like 48 feet. So eight feet higher than my, uh, air of the year before. And, and I was training too, like getting ready. And, uh, and I did a lot of work for that. And then when I showed up, he he went 45, 46, seven, then eight, his last run was 48 and I was stuck at like 45. And so, uh, they were kind of like, it looked like they were kind of, uh, celebrating a little early. And then, uh, last run, I'm like, all right, I got it. Here we go, dude. I'm going to send it as high as I can. And I, I actually gave it like more and I hit the thing so hard and I'm just stoked. I pulled it. You can tell I was upside down with my foot off. It looks steezy. It looked like I meant to do it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, I, you know what I mean? It looks sick. Like yeah. I was upside down with a dog pisser, like holding the leg off with the bars. It looks sweet. I stomped it and then 49. So yeah, that was gnarly. That was like a big one. And that's two years in a row. I won in his, not his hometown, but his home. So it was sick, yeah. dude. Yeah. Dude, I mean, the when they said that X Games was gonna be at Slayground for like, I was like, yeah, oh, I get it. It's COVID. There's no like, you probably can't be at a stadium. Like, but then to yeah. go there again, I was like, these guys are gonna be fucking pissed. Like, at what point yeah. is that? Like, what? How? How do nah, we have I, the competition? I, I get it, but then I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'd want to like be going up against that. Nah, I wasn't really too stoked on it. Um, but it's it's kind of always been like that. Like uh, the guy that builds their compound and sets their ramps up is the guy that builds X Games. So he's building their setup exactly the same, you know. And I've been practicing back then at Militia on like the most roach landing, like dirt landing. No, like I would go not even as high as I could and come down so hard and just blow out my back. Like, just like compress, like feel like I compressed my back and I'm like, okay, well I'm going to just go to X games and give it all I got, you know? And that was back then. 
And then uh, I ended up framing up my own landing, 32 foot tall wooden landing that I was able to practice on a bunch and get a lot of airs on and stuff. And it, it would break and stuff and I'd repair it and fix it, but it got me through two or three years. COVID was the year I built it. So that didn't really count, but to have it at their yard, I was like, damn dude, I just don't feel like dealing with like that. Uh, you know, like our, our whole rivalry has been like a super gnarly, like pain in the ass to deal with. Cause I'm always the like underdog and I don't have like the team that builds the setup and I'm always trying to come in and beat them. And it seems like I'm just getting wrenches thrown in my way the whole way in. And then, uh, when I heard it was at his house, I was like, damn it. And then I was like, Oh shit, I could win at his house. Like, all right, let's do it. So I just started grinding and practicing my ass off. And that was like the biggest goal. And I pulled it off and it was so sick the first year. And then I found out, oh, they're doing it again. And I'm like, dude, again, you know, but I'm like, all right, I could beat him at his own house again, you know? And I'm like, shit, like what if people want to come ride in my yard on my ramp, you know, like that's where I train like, but, uh, and then he like, he took off doing this like couple or like freestyle or whatever to focus on quarter. And I know he wanted to win. And, uh, like I said, he probably had his height meter set up and and man, we just had all kinds of, actually was really cool. Actually, man, like we got along, we have like a lot of respect for each other, rider to rider, you know? Um, but his team and I don't really, now I've got Husqvarna and stuff and that's my team, but, uh, our teams were buttonheads back in the days and we kind of got thrown in the middle of it and stuff. And, uh, yeah. but, I mean, you know, in, in the beginning it was kind of like, I didn't feel a whole lot of respect coming from his whole camp and stuff and him. And I took that as like a dude, F you man, like I'm here to, I'm busting my ass. You don't even know what I've gone through to get to this position, you know? And I kind of know what you've gone through, dude. You're fucking set up so sick, dude. Like, fuck, dude. Your mom makes you breakfast and shit, and I'm fucking (laughs) sleeping (laughs) in my van. Like, this is fucking complete opposites here. But to not get the respect right away, it just seemed like I... And I guess that's... Whatever, dude. Anyway, all that bullshit in the the history, whatever, uh, in the past... Nowadays, it's like I have respect for him. I know what it takes to go that big on a quarter pipe. I know how much work it yeah. takes to go that big and and the pressure and just how, how gnarly it is to go that big. Like, of course, I respect it because I know what it's like to go that big, you know. So, and he does even really if cool your mom stuff is making bike. breakfast, and even yeah, if you do all, have now all, all that, that shit, shit now like, all that shit doesn't matter. S- yeah. Yeah. Like, it's still gnarly yeah, nowadays, to sack up and go that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I see, I see the stuff he does and I'm like, you know what? Like the past is the past. Uh, but nowadays I know it like you're, you're busting your ass out here too, you know? And I think he sees it the same way. And, and, uh, and that stuff was like funny or whatever back then. And, uh, you know, whatever. I, I was just with that crew of people back then coming into the game. Like that was my entry in and, uh, and I'm still cool with everybody and all that, but yeah, like, uh, anyways, so going to his spot this year, he'd been training, I'd been training, I knew he wanted to beat me, why not, like, he, of course he wants to beat me, you know, and, uh, and I just put in that much more work, too, and, and it was close, dude, but, yeah, the last run, I went, I went 49 feet, and stomped it, and, yeah, that was a big, uh, that was, like, the, probably the coolest, coolest one I've ever, like, won, you know, that one felt the best, because it wasn't, like, the first year, 
which was also cool by the second year. Now, hopefully, mm, man, I yeah. heard X Games is doing something different. I heard they might be coming back to L.A. I hope they are, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, man, I think, like, the way that you handled it and the way that it all, like, worked out when it comes to, like, your deal, I think you went about it perfectly because you can almost be a bitch in the sense that if you, like, because in reality you had everything against you, you don't have the crazy setup. You're doing it all on your own. The organizers aren't building the same shit at your house as at the event. Monsters, obviously, like there's so much monster pool within the industry. Like, so you are right. Like everything was against you, but the bitch move is to like complain and to like, yeah. you know, make all that shit so public and to like just be a bitch about it but like the gangster move yeah, is to just that, shut yeah. your mouth and then just go and, and do it and then you get the win so like as much as it would have sucked in the moment to just deal with like every wrench being thrown at you like you said just that's the shit that makes the victory so sweet you know and like and being like i've i first met axel with hill in like 2015 in geneva he was like 17 or something like that and he went to geneva supercross as hills mechanic and he was like the nicest yeah. dude just, and i feel yeah. like that kid that i met then is like the same dude now like he's still the nicest yeah. guy and i feel like no, he's with, cool. with axel like it was a lot of the like you said the team there's like people around him that i think made shit mm -hmm. like not cool not just for you but for like a bunch of people and i always yeah you got to Oh, sorry, go. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the last one we just went to his house. I, I have a lot of respect for him because um, he uh, he lands like a little bit lower on the landing every year, and I always land a little higher with a lot of the other riders where we case. I think it's just suspension setup or something about it. Um, but this year, I wanted to move the ramp half a degree, and uh, and he was cool with it, and uh, his pops wasn't and stuff, whatever. But he was like, dude, all fair. Like you want to move the ramp a little bit, you know? Cause I wasn't moving the ramp a lot. I was moving it a little bit. It was like halfway of what I would have liked to move it. So we're meeting in the middle. And I said, dude, if you don't like the ramp, we can move it back. I just don't want to land a foot from the knuckle every time. Cause I'm pulling on my bars to not case and I'm landing so close. I would love to land just a foot lower. And if that means you're landing a foot lower and you know, if you don't like it, we can move the ramp back. And he's like, dude, all good, man. I ain't tripping. Like, that's cool, you know, and I was like, all right, appreciate it, like, sweet, you know, he's like, yeah, all good, and then we moved the ramp, and we had an awesome event, dude, we had the best time, like, we were shredding, like, uh, he was going huge, I was going huge, it was, it was actually a lot of fun, and he was a good sport about it at the end, you know, and uh, high fives and handshakes and stuff, and he was really cool about it, uh, his team looked super butthurt, for sure, but he is his own person he was cool and i was like dude we should uh hang out ride you know free ride and and uh session and stuff he's like dude anytime man hit me up you know and i was like dude that's cool um so yeah i mean i think he's he's actually like you know whatever like he's the past of the past and stuff with uh because i came in with militia you know and they like to push buttons mm. and they you know there's that whole thing but nowadays I'm like, yeah, that was a good contest. I know what he does to go as high as he does. He puts in the work. I have respect for it. And I think that's the same way. And, um, yeah, it was fun hanging out with him at his house for those couple of days. And, you know, we'll see in the future, I'm kind of doing my own thing and he's doing his own thing, but who knows, maybe we'll ride together in the future and I'm sure we'll compete some more in the future too. So can't wait to, uh, go back to battle on those. 
Well, I think that that's probably, I mean, for me, step up, uh, so step up quarter is probably the, like the marquee event of X games now. And I think that it's because yeah. of the rivalry that you guys have. And I think that in sport, the errors that we remember or the things that we like care to watch are because of like the crazy rivalries. And it's like, I think that if yeah. you and if you and Axel were just like full homies the whole time, then the yeah, sport... Yeah, giving each other of, hugs and shit the whole time, yeah. Yeah, it's just like you just don't care in the same way. And it's like, I think that as much as it probably sucked to go through and it probably sucks for Axel to feel the pressure of of like having to beat you at his own house now then it's like yeah. that's the shit that really drives the sport like I can't like I don't really watch that much freestyle ever like I'm, I'm not super into it but I'm so into yeah. watching you two do your thing and then you <laughs> add Berriman in in the mix and you know yeah. we got we got Corey Creed like there's some like there's some cool storylines and dynamics yeah. that make me really want to watch it. And now when you're talking about almost 50 feet in the air, it's just like, that's like a super legit event. So I think that as uncomfortable as it was for everyone involved, it really elevated you guys to like a whole new level within the, within the industry. Yeah. And yeah. And like, uh, he's probably bummed, you know, but I just remember how bummed I was, you know, when he beat me back in, uh, 2018 or 19 he beat me by a foot in Minneapolis and I was just like dude I do not want to lose like that again you know and then I went to world games right after that and that's when I broke the record there and um and beat him that was beat him straight up and then uh they said there was some wind and stuff so it kind of was like okay well maybe it wasn't like I still beat him straight up but then uh and then I was like trying different suspensions. I didn't have a good place to practice. And I kind of like went out to, um, that was when I crashed in Minneapolis when, when Axel hurt his foot doing the evil live distance jump, he didn't ride. That was when Creed won. Creed won everything that year. He won Minneapolis and then he won Norway and world games. And, uh, I had just chopped off the top of my uh, ring finger in real moto. I crashed. I did a backflip in Bakersfield, landed, hit it, uh, washed the front end out in a rain rut. It kind of wasn't like, I didn't know the rain rut was there. I did a perfect flip, came in perfect, hit a rain rut, washed it out. And I hit like a piece of metal in the landing, like a washer machine was buried or something. And it chopped my finger off. <sighs> so I kind of was like, didn't do a whole lot of riding. And I went into Minneapolis to try to beat, uh, everybody. Axel wasn't competing creed one in my last air was that one where i came in way crooked and slammed and uh if i guess i would have landed that at one but i went to norway my suspension setup was all wrong that was back when i was on a cowie i tried different stuff and like i don't know what happened but i couldn't even hit the ramp so i didn't ride and then there was kind of like some flat coming from uh from like you know dirt shark mostly was the one talking the shit he was like what up you pussy fucking clown you too scared to ride i'm like i don't even see you fucking riding dude uh <laughs> you know axel wasn't talking shit but you were um yeah. i'm like you go hit a fucking quarter pipe you know what i mean don't fucking call me a pussy or a clown motherfucker like, sorry my language but he it gets me heated um so i didn't ride norway then COVID happened. So it's like, as far as they knew, it was like, oh, this dude's done. He, he crashed out at Minneapolis, didn't compete in Norway yeah. and got beat at uh, this and that, you know? So then this long break over. with COVID 
And then I, I was like, dude, I came in so ready for uh Slayground. I won the first year. I heard some uh I heard some excuses throughout the year. He didn't have a mod bike, I heard in a racer X interview. I heard his suspension wasn't set up right or something and, and stuff. And I'm like, dude, okay, you know what I mean? You're at your house, but all right, let's do it. So here we go. Next year, show up. He looked ready. I'm sure he had a mod bike. I'm, you know what I mean? Uh, and then I won again. So now it's like, okay, what's, you know, and I, yeah, like I yeah. said, Axel was cool about it, dude. You know, he was cool about it. He was like, dude, all good. You killed it. You rode great. Fucking, you know, we're going to compete again. All good. Uh, dirt shark was so bomb, dude. And I'm like, yep, good. You know what I mean? I don't even know what you like. Yeah. You love your little brother. I'm sure you care for him, but like, get out of it, bro. Like, me and Axel would probably have the best time free riding and shit, but it's like always something to do with that dude or whatever. Anyway, I don't know. I just know he's been a yeah. dirt shark's been a dick. So, <laughs> well, fair. <laughs> uh, and then imagination was pretty cool. Like the first year that you guys did that, because that's the thing. Like you guys are just on such a level, you know. And like I said, that like that rivalry, it's just fucking dope. Like you guys are on this crazy level. And it's like when you aired, I don't know whether, excuse my uh, memory, but I think, was it you that aired over the quarter first or was it Axel? No, it was me. It was you. Yeah. So like, but even, uh, but like, I'll just get this thought out. Like the the fact that like, so you do that first and then like that he can see it and then go and do it. Like respect to that. You know what I'm saying? Like just to have a guy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, like, so that's what, like, I go put in the work and then I'll go and show up to an event and I'll go send something that I'm like, dude, this is going to be sick, you know? And then, like, uh, I had that idea. I saved it for my last run last year. And I had the dude Bubba. He's like the water truck driver. He's the man. This is like huge ass dude. Um, hey, Bubba, dude, go grab that Red Bull logo off the landing. It's this huge 10 foot, like, wooden thing. He's like, want me to grab it off the land? I'm like, yeah, go grab it and drag it down off the landing i'm gonna land there he's like what all right yeah he's like dude like oh man i can't wait to see that he's all stoked so right before my run he cleans it off the landing i did my whole run i sent i think it was the flip first uh the biggest flip there on this gnarly jump super narrow landing and like if you went too far short it would have sucked pulled that and then I think I, I forget if I did that before or after, but I did the quarter pipe. Those are the last two things I did. I was sweating them the whole run. It was a five minute run that it backed my mind. I'm like, dude, I got to go fucking jump that gnarly quarter pipe. (laughs) So anyway, as I go into it and I thought it was going to be easier than it was, but I gave it a handful of gas. I carved up the thing. I think I could have had more air in my tires because it felt like they just like squished out, like they went flat or something you know and it kicked me into this super gnarly backwards whip i thought i was crashing so i was like this close to just jumping over the bars and landing on my feet uh but it kept going i'm like hey i'm gonna kind of land it so i just landed it i was stoked i got a terrible score for my run i don't know why uh but I did all the coolest stuff. Some of the judges were like, dude, I said I had you in first for sure, dude. Your run was insane. And then other judges, just like whatever happened, they just might have favored other riders or something. But either way, I was stoked on my run. And then uh, they gave us like three minutes to warm up. And then I seen him practicing it. But 
he practiced it first and then he did his run but either way that was super gnarly to hit and i'm like props for going for it and that's why i have respect for him because he steps up and he goes for stuff that other riders wouldn't do and i know that's gnarly you know so like as much as i'm like oh you know i have my opinions about him he still stepped up and did it and i knew how big that was and i took a lot of bike skill for me to pull it and he actually did it he cased a little bit on the one where he did the knack but he did a knack and he landed and rode away so i'm like yeah that's that's solid you know like yeah. all bullshit yeah. aside the dude's got skill he has balls he sent it and he stomped it you know like that's impressive because he could have easily been like i'm not doing it you know and then i probably would have won or whatever but yeah so yeah mission man imagination that stuff's wild it's cool hanging out with everybody all week out there and doing some crazy gaps i can't believe how many gnarly jumps there is you know you're used to hitting like one or two jumps where you're like, Oh, yeah. if I case this, I could break my wrist and break my back. Or if I land flat, I could blow out my wheel and break my wrist or leg. But you do that like every jump times. for five minutes, every, yeah, yeah, 15 for sure. And then like 20 other jumps, you're like, this is still not going to be fun if I don't make it, you know, I could break my leg on that or this or that. So stressful out there and beer him in hits everything first dude i don't know why he he doesn't have to either he doesn't have to step up and hit everything first and he still is like all right like everyone's rattling and I'm, i could tell he's gonna hit it so i'm like i'm just gonna hang back and watch and it's like that on every jump he's like i'm gonna hit the first i'm gonna hit it. he should just get an award for that you know like in free riding like it's not a contest that's what they're saying this year and stuff and uh they have to make it a contest or whatever for the show but he should get an award for hitting the biggest gnarliest jumps first. I I hit the one gnarly one that was like uh, I don't know how big, two hundred foot or something. I hit that one first last year, and that was pretty gnarly. But I compared it to this jump I hit at Manny's a lot. I kind of had confidence because it was the same lip. Yeah. Compared it to that and hit it first. But other than that, Beerman hit all the gnarly steep stuff with the super knuckled backsided landings first, and uh, that's what he should get a trophy that says like gnarly is sending everything first guinea pig or something like that you know like test yeah. every jump first guy because that's a big that's that's gnarly dude that 160 that he sent this year like when i saw that clip i was just like nah yeah. bro like nah, man. yeah some the point. first angle that came out too i think fast house posted the first angle from the side on the right and i was like whoa that was big dude like and like you can hit big jumps from scooting ramps back or building dirt lips closer and it's a little safer but to just go for something that big first try dude that is gnarly and he almost wrecked you know so that just goes to show how how gnarly that really was and that's it's like dude that stuff out there is no joke man well even like so last year when he jumped the whole like the shipping container like they had like the shipping container step on oh that was the first year Oh, the first year? And it's just like, yeah. dude, what the fuck are you up to, bro? <laughs> like, I know, man. He's got like man. a specialty of doing that. Like when he hit that over the container, the lip was so steep and the landing steep, was man. so steep. Yeah, like really like not a lot of room for error, you know? Very easily could come up short or land flat. Like you could really land flat because the landing's like small anyway. So I just see him hitting this stuff. I'm like, damn dude that's his specialty i think you know 
like we're doing flips and we're doing these transfers and stuff and he's looking for the biggest stuff and then for Axel to go back him up on that jump you know is cool and it's still gnarly but for him to go and test it first you know the question is is like yeah. if Beerman didn't hit that big one this year would Axel have hit it first you know I don't know yeah he would I guess we'll never know yeah we don't yeah Beerman, yeah we don't need to Beerman's know. gnarly yeah 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 I mean yeah, being, Beerman, and Beerman's gnarly he's like the he's the Travis Rice of of moto for sure you know like yeah. he's that I think he's just that one dude that is just like there might be guys like like you said you know like you're probably doing bigger well you're definitely doing bigger flips and you've got like there's other stuff you're doing that he's not doing but when it comes to like that's as raw as it gets like here's a pile of dirt here's another pile of dirt no one knows how far to go and what what gear to hit it in and like he's the yeah. dude that's gonna do it and just so many times he greases it and like that 160 yeah. like even hearing the way that it sounded like he's on the clutch like right before the up ramp like just just that like level of limiter. like bike skill is like fucking and, yeah. crazy you know what i mean just to it keep is, it where man, he it needs is. to keep it like god damn it makes me yeah. scared and he's got a sick style with it too where he'll come in slow and just like hammer the gas off stuff and time it perfectly and yeah like uh beerman was like always my favorite rider before i was even like a name or anything like i always watched him when we'd go to the hills for filming and stuff he'd be out there throwing the biggest whips upside down backwards i'm like this guy is like the best whipper on the planet you know uh and i i seen and i always voted for him and winning stuff and yeah he just got a sick style he doesn't need to flip and stuff or you know he i'm sure he could you know if he he could put in the work and do it but yeah he's just always got the like his turnups are vertical backwards hanging upside down under it and stuff and yeah he's just a really cool dude too he's a he definitely want to he's was my favorite rider the whole time and yeah just i like hanging out with him man i'd love to go free riding with him more often you know no contests or nothing just go hang out well it's, that was literally the next thing i was about to say too is that like i i would i'd do crazy shit if you bought me a person that said i fucking hate tyler berman like yeah. there's just no one that doesn't exist there's no guy there's no nah, beef with that dude. dude no one doesn't like him like if you he's come over here a couple times like we we did a trip to new zealand together we went to farm jam and it's like that was like yep. one of the best weeks i've ever had man like we just had so yeah. much fun he's just such a no, great dude man. to be around yeah like i met him back at the swamp pound that's when i met scranny that was when i was first getting into like the scene of free riding and uh me and him were like the last ones awake at night hanging out the whole yeah. time man just <laughs> yeah. partying having the best time dude all laughs like just the best dude and then uh when we went to norway too it was like both so his birthday is like a couple days before or after mine i think it's before mine Anyways, my birthday was on August 30th and I took off on the 29th and landed on the 31st. So I skipped a day. But when I got there, it was like his birthday too. We both went out. It was just me and him. We took an Uber. We went downtown. It was just me and him raging all night, dude. And like, this the best times, man. He's just like the most classic dude, like even off the bike, you know? Yeah. And, and I think like, I mean, I, me and him, we did a, a drive. It's actually on Verb Moto's YouTube we did a drive across america together eastbound and down and uh he was like 18 <laughs> oh, yeah. i think i was like 21 and uh and i mean he's just like 
he went through this period too of sort of like trying to figure out who he was in the sport so it's like he's been at it that long and for years he was like still trying to be the racer because he could have done that and then the free ride thing came and then he just didn't really have like the sponsors he didn't have the backing and it's like you could always see that in his mind or like he was just capable of so much more than what he was like able to achieve with like the funding and with you know like everything that he kind of had going on and it just that's one of the things I feel like really makes me stoked is that he kind of like got the opportunity to show the world like what he had to offer as like a person and as a writer and I think like the sport's better for it yeah definitely yeah that's when I met him he was uh he was like excelling in the hills like the best free rider out there of the day you know throwing the biggest whips and just so fun to watch and then he went back to doing the supercross thing for that season and uh and that's when he so he flew out of Santa Cruz like after us raging with the downhill mountain bike dudes that whole week with like the like Graham uh Aggies Aggie and uh I mean, there's like the biggest names. Brandon Seminock was there. Cam Zink, Cal Straight. We're all raging Zink all week with these dudes. Yeah. He, f- yeah, he flies out and then goes to, it was like a mud race on the East Coast and then made the main that night. And uh, we're like, dude, he was just here on this couch and now he's out on the TV. And that was when I first met him and it was a, it was the coolest, like, coolest dude. And then, yeah, for him to go do that and then come, now he's like free riding, doing all his projects he's doing. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. And for him to include everybody on his projects and yeah, just, uh, awesome dude. I'd love to ride more with him. You know, I wish you could just throw us all in a van or something and just take us on like a free ride road trip and just see what happens. Dude, I bet you'd be I, it'd blast. I have an idea. I have an idea. I'm not going to, I might <laughs> say it after the podcast cause I don't want to like give nothing away. I have an idea yeah. of like you, Berriman and Axel and it's like it's not in America it's not in Australia it's in somewhere completely different and I just feel like it will be fucking out of control and it'd be that like Hell you yeah. get a dope sprinter van with a trailer full of bikes and I feel and like but no one else no entourage no like no plus we're all mic'd up yeah, yeah no shredding. plus ones it'd be it's just insane. like the boys it'd be so yeah, sick yeah it'd be all got, time so I got an idea well I'll share after but uh before we wrap up because we're almost done our three hours the the distance yep. thing i didn't get to see it in the movie um so let's talk a little bit about that share what you want to share as like the final little teaser for people to go and check out narnia yeah basically uh to make it a short story because we'll have the full story on the other stuff and those sponsors that paid us for that um but basically man we want we wanted to go out and do a long distance jump and we got the opportunity with sponsors to build a long distance setup on a land where the landowner gave us permission to keep the landing there um for as long as we wanted with permits and everything so we we put together jay and i uh jay did a lot of work on that he put together this landing out there and we got a dirt crew to sponsor us to move all the dirt well they put everything in the wrong spot and it was it it was important that they put it in the right spot because the drainage so it's like flash flood happens they put it right on top of like a river so not only would it destroy our landing it would destroy the racetrack and it just wouldn't pass permits we had to move it we moved it again but we kind of ran out of time the equipment uh the budget was up they were pulling the equipment off the landing wasn't done yet and i had to jump in equipment for like four or five days push up all this dirt with a couple of the jump crew guys 
and try to get the landing ready before it, there was this massive snowstorm coming in and the equipment was getting pulled off. So I kind of was like, either I jump it now or I wait till like spring when all the snow and ice melts. It was already beneath zero and we just had a huge seven day snor- uh, snowstorm coming in. And I kind of had the option to go for it or wait till after return, uh, get all the equipment back out there, spend another 20, 30 grand in equipment to bring it back out to fix it. Um, so I just decided let's just get the jump going. The landing's decent. It's a little tall and a little steep and a little weird, but I'm like, dude, I could probably handle it. I'll either, uh, like I'm basically, I'm going to jump it. And we'll get the movie out, you know, cause remember everybody wanted to see the movie. It was supposed to come out. Well, next thing you know, it was like my first try to know how fast to go. We had no numbers and I backside it, you know, and, uh, super gnarly. And, um, and then coming back from that was brutal. And, uh, you'll have to see where it goes after that. We basically got a really cool crew together and I think there's potential for some records in the, in the near future, you know? So, um, definitely go check out the movie. It's, uh, it's got a lot of really cool free riding, a lot of big names, Beerman, and I, all the boys are in there. Thank you to all those guys for being a part of my movie. And uh, unseen locations, unseen footage, and definitely unseen uh, distance jumping. So, yeah, it's a huge project. I think everybody's going to love it. I'd love to hear what they think. And it'll be out on uh december before christmas is our plan so everybody can get it for uh christmas presents and and definitely check out premiere should be in december as well if you're on the east or sorry the west coast then you can make it to the uh, premieres meet me hang out watch the movie and uh have some fun so yeah dude i'm stoked for you man it's uh it's a such a gnarly project to undertake and to take so long so long to do it and i'm sure there was like so many times where it just felt like there was no light at the end of the tunnel and uh it was especially when you're having like these crazy injuries when you're midway through it like it's just such a it's such a gnarly deal to take on yeah we were gonna end the movie after the uh injury and um but i kind of didn't want to go out like that you know i wanted to prove my point and I really do like the distance jumping thing. Uh, Watching all Ryan Capes and Trigger Gum, and uh, my dad's a massive fan of Evil Knievel. I actually have a huge Evil Knievel tattoo on my side, and um, and I'm I love all that stuff. I think it's awesome. I wish I got the chance to do the Evil Live thing uh, back in Nitro, but we were able to put this movie together with sponsors and have our own setup, and. after my first jump I was kind of on the fence about doing it it's so gnarly dangerous you've seen what happened to Alex Harville and who's the current world record holder and Guinness just granted him for 425 feet the biggest overall jump of all time so um yeah and uh that is right there too and yeah dude it's incredible and that whole thing's documented and he has a part in the movie as well with all unseen footage um, for Harville. So that was cool. Cause Jay's buddies with Harville and they filmed a lot and we were able to, uh, take some footage and make him a cool piece and kind of tell his story in there. And, uh, but yeah, like to have the setup and, and going back and, uh, getting to actually have a solid crew with numbers, man, I kind of fell in love with it. It was so much fun and you'll kind of see how we put it together and the whole story. And 
I love to go out and try to like put together some events and festivals or whatever and jump shows and try to see how big I can go. It's kind of a goal of mine for the future. How far, how fast do you have to hit a ramp to go 420 feet? Uh, I believe it was like a hundred and something like 105 or something like that miles an hour. So next time you're riding your Harley, go 105 and picture hitting a ramp. So, can you do a conversion real quick? So, what was the top speed that I was... That, so, we just did this, like, we just did, like, this massive two-week ride up to the tip of Australia, and we're all, we're all on, like, 350s and shit, but they're on, like, 450s. They're kind of, like, geared up a bit. Um, but I did, like, a speed run on one of the freeways when we were riding home. I'm, like, full air tucking, the fender's going like this, like, crazy. Yeah. And I think I got to up, up to, like, 156Ks an hour. So, Holy shit. Fuck, dude. So say say that again. So whoa. So one hundred and five miles an hour is one hundred and sixty nine k's per hour. So I was doing one hundred and fifty six k's per hour. My fucking front fender was shaking. Like my, I was like fully tucked in. Holy fuck, bro. That is no yeah. joke, dude. To, just to stay no. straight and hit the ramp straight at that speed is gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane, man. For real. And I don't know if I'll be able to break a record, you know? I don't even know if... Like, I just want to keep going bigger and see how I feel, you know? It's like the quarter pipe. It's like 20 feet felt gnarly the first time I went 20 feet, but I got so used to it that 30 was, you know was the next step and 30 felt easy and now we're going 50 you know close to it so yeah I just want to keep pushing it I mean we have the setup and it's out there and with my sponsors and Husqvarna support on that as well and I uh, I'd love to see if I can get a little further close to that you know see how it works and also there's got to be money attached but I think uh, if a lot of people want to see it and we can start getting some momentum with like putting it together. And if, you know, if people like the movie and they like what we're trying to do out there, then, uh, you know, maybe it, we'll put together a festival and there'll be a payday. Cause I'd love to see what I can do. And, yeah. uh, if not, you know, then whatever, I don't have to do it, but it'd be nice to get a big payday and also kind of push my limits and see how far I can go. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm, I'm stoked for you, man. And I'm, uh, to come from where you come from of like sleeping in a van and working two construction jobs and you know just to kind of get people to even to the point where they know your name to now being like one of the big stars of the sport and like in my opinion one of the leaders of you know that that whole free ride kind of movement um i'm stoked for you man it feels like it happened to a good person um and i'm stoked that we got to do this too we've wanted to do it for a while i felt like you're a homie from a distance but even though we'd never really got to like talk properly and um yeah i'm stoked bro i'm stoked to catch up and hopefully we can like make something happen in the future too like in a yeah to do some kind of film trip or something yeah it'd be great thanks for having me man uh, your show's awesome and yeah it's cool to catch up man we've been trying to do this for a while so yeah thanks for having me and it's been fun on here and yeah, we'll come back on another time, you know. Try it out and yeah. keep killing it, dude. Your show's sweet. I love watching everything on your show, so keep doing that. Stay in touch, man. Yeah, let's let's plan something. Let's do some trips or something, you know. <laughs>